Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And welcome to the Power Station. This is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen. And I am your other host, Ash Versus. That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, because we didn't... I, whenever we come to the wrap-up episodes, we never really know how to do the intros one. This is, like the, this is the fifth one we've done as well. You'd have thought we'd have figured it out by now. I think we just keep making this as a mad, awkward intro as possible. Uh, I think that's the best way forward. Well, I think I've contributed to that mad, awkward just now. You're welcome. (laughs) So this is the wrap-up episode for Series 8 of Games Master. Uh, Actually, I'm going to come to you first, just to actually talk about the fact that last night, at the time of this recording, you were at the, I suppose rap party of sorts because like they were doing like screenings of games master when it was being aired on e4 at loading bar and you went down for the one last night yeah i went down representing under consultation on behalf of the both of us and uh, i went in there just ready to sit in a corner by myself all night nursing a fizzy water or, or something and just like being bobby no mate but I got to hang out with Jack, Jack Templeton, who's writing the book. I got to catch up with Kian, Emily, Ben, a whole host of people. Ketchup was there. Chrissy Two Sticks was there. I beat one of them on Street Fighter V. I didn't beat the other. You can draw your own conclusions as to which was which. And it was it was a really nice, fun night. And that whole feeling of love that we got on the set was still there, still very, very much there. You you got like there were a lot of people that clearly. Well, didn't always get on while they were working together because who does in a media creative environment? I think there was a lot of hope there that this will be the start of something, not the end. That's what we've been saying as well. We kind of teed this up at the end of episode three. Like my my thoughts on this are that if this is it, 
I'm glad that we got this, but I hope that this isn't it. I really do hope that there is more of this to come. But it was nice. It was a really nice, warm environment. And it got to about 11.30 and I went to say my goodbyes and say, you know, say thank you to Kian for not only inviting us down and everything and, and just giving us as much access to Series 8 as we ended up getting. He was in there and uh, Jack was in there as well. And it was kind of funny because he'd just given Jack a golden joystick. Which is a really nice gift as well. Particularly like Jack, you know, Dominic has sort of said this about the three of us, me, you and Jack. But I think this it's more Jack than it is anyone else. Jack has been keeping the flame alive of Games Master fandom. Like he is the ultra fan of this show. I mean, some of the stuff that he's pulled together for this book, I can't wait to physically hold. I'm almost tempted to book days off work when this book comes out just so I can sit and I can read the entire thing. I can't wait. But I saw that and I'm just like, oh, that's really nice. And I think it was Jack just made some comment about, well, this is slightly awkward. I've, I've got one. And, um, and I was just stood there. And that's when Kian just goes, well, no, this is for you and Luke and under consultation. Aww. And so under consultation has its own Series 8 Games Master Golden Joystick, which I, I choked up a bit. I was actually really taken aback. It was a beautiful, beautiful gesture and something I, I appreciated. Everyone on that crew and cast has been so lovely to us and uh, it was terrifying last night finding out how many of them listened to us <laughs> including potentially this because we've had it on under console nation before on our patreon community podcast people say like oh has anyone from the show listened in terms of like the, the the series that we've you know previously covered like the old the original series and we've you know like rick henderson i think has tuned into an episode or so because he's on a couple of episodes but i think that's probably about it like i i don't think dominic's ever listened to an episode i don't think johnny finch has ever listened to an episode or anything like that and that's not fine i wouldn't expect them to listen to this episode either for starters they're fucking long some would argue too long i would argue too long (laughs) (laughs) when i when it comes to being a six hour edit per episode i would probably argue they're too long as well but also i wouldn't i wouldn't remove any of the content that we uh, that we have but like yeah it's, it's been kind of wild that we have had people in this new series listen and it's bizarre like we we haven't encountered this before like i i I saw the photos from the party last night i couldn't go because you know i'm I'm a a brand new dad i've got dad duties to to go and do and and that's that's actually something that i would i actually very much love doing i love going home and seeing the little one and i'm glad that i got to spend a little bit of time with her because i don't get to spend a lot of time in the evenings with her because of the commute that i've got and everything but I did have, you know, a fair amount of FOMO uh, when I was looking at the pictures this morning, particularly seeing like there was a wonderful group shot of all of you as well. Like, you know, and I go like, there's Kian, there's Emily, there's Ketchup, there's Chrissy Two Sticks, there's Jack and there's Ash. And I was like, oh, man, that's a really awesome picture and stuff. So, yeah, I, I did have a fair amount of FOMO. Uh, but as I said, to, I said to Kian um, and, and you know, I said to Jack and to, to Chrissy Two Sticks as well. I'll see you at the next rap party, because when you go through the Games Master hashtag, Good crikey, there is nothing but positive vibes going on about this new series. And the most common thing you are seeing is people tagging E4 tweets and being like, there's got to be more of this. There has to be more than just these three episodes. Roll on the next series rap party when we can both be there. Indeed, yeah. It's funny as well. I, I know that Sean posted this in, the, in our Discord. When you posted up the picture of the, the golden joystick that, that Kian gave, uh, gave to us as a gift, and he just posted up that image from the Simpsons episode, Three Men in a Comic Book, where they're sort of like, they've all bought the comic book and now just like, now who gets to take it home? But like, for, for my money, I think this should stay at Casa Ash. Like, I think that that's where the, this podcast, I think that's where the golden joystick belongs at this point. I was going to keep hold of it until we see each other for under consultation live. And then I was going to give it 
to you, we do a timeshare. <laughs> timeshare it, yeah. Well, because if nothing else, mate, let's be honest, your day job, don't tell me you don't want it in the background of your day job a couple of times. Well, I, I, I would certainly, yeah, I, I think I could. It's There's a space for it on the shelf, uh, I yeah. would say, yeah. So, yeah, we need to make sure that happens. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I mean, let's talk about series eight then this is going to be slightly different to the way we usually do our wrap-up episodes we're not going to do the awards that we usually do we're kind of just sort of talk uh, amongst ourselves here about our sort of general thoughts on, on the series which i think most people are pretty much aware of at this point if you've listened to the previous three episodes uh, and then we'll get into your viewer feedback which we've got a bunch of which i you know i think we were very much expecting i think it's the most feedback we've had probably since the series three wrap-up because that was like, you know, one of the more contentious series and people had some thoughts. And then we've got an interview with the series producer, Emily Smith. And the only reason we that interview ends where it does is because I had to go. I had to go and do a sh- I had to go and do my 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 daily broadcast. And I think you stayed on the phone with her for like another half an hour or so. And I was like, again, like I wanted to stay on that call with her. Yeah, the raw recording time, because I haven't finished editing yet, was one hour, 21 minutes, 31 seconds. We were on the Zencaster session with her for about 20 minutes before that, probably 10, 20 minutes before that. And yeah, I was then chatting with her for another half an hour afterwards. An amazing, powerful, geeky, wonderful personality. I can't wait for you to hear the interview. Yeah, it's great. It feels appropriate because Kian, a showrunner, had the first word on Series 8 and Emily, as the series producer, will have the last word. And I, I like how that bookends. It bookends almost as neatly as Mario Brothers 3 and Tekken. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? And, and so let's let's talk about it then. I mean, I loved it. I, I I didn't really know what to expect going into a brand new series of Games Master. I don't think any of us really knew what to expect going in from a brand new series of Games Master. It's something that we have all thought about. It's something that we've all discussed. We've had it asked to us a bunch of times on Under Console Nation and just sort of in general, like if you were to bring it back, what would you do? I didn't really have any expectations. I don't think I had expectations going in. I just wanted to enjoy it. Like that was that was what I was going. What if I could get to the end of the three episodes and I can say, yeah, that was really I really enjoyed that. Then that would be a massive thumbs up for me. What I didn't expect was to love it. You know, that's not me sort of saying like, oh man, I can't believe they did a show that was really good. I'm so surprised by that with the people involved. I'm not saying it from that angle. It's more a case of like, it's it's a show that's come back after 30 years. There's always going to be like. That, that moment in the back of my mind where I was like, what about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? And in the end, I didn't get any of that. What I ended up with was just three excellent episodes of a TV show that has made me want more. And I really, really want more out of this. So like, th- for, this is a huge home run. This is an incredible success story. It's kind of funny because I'm older than you, but I am more of a modern gamer than you. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. You're playing Symphony of the Night. I'm playing Forza and probably going to leave Halo downloading on my Xbox when we're done recording. Oh, yeah. I ain't got time. I ain't got time for new games. Like, I, I really haven't. Every time I think I'm going to start a new one, I'm like, ah, I, I haven't got time in my life. I, I, I do. I have like 14 hour working days plus like four hours worth of commutes. I haven't got time to be playing new games. That's why I, that's why I boot up Symphony of the Night. I know what I'm doing. I think I've said this to multiple people involved in the production when they've said, oh, you know, we're glad you guys like it. I'm like, honestly, we're actually easy marks for this, really. You know, we, I mean, me particularly, I'm a Doctor Who fan. My show changes every five years, four or five years, whatever, completely, you know, just new showrunners, new actors, new whatever. But as I'm a modern gamer, I am probably an easier sell than you are because you don't play Splatoon 2. Nope. 
you're not going to play your cod blobs. No, God, no. You've got historical knowledge of Mortal Kombat and your Street Fighters, but you're not playing 11 and you're not playing 5, respectively. So I would have, and also the VR stuff. So I would have said that you were the harder sell on this one than me, but we were still probably both relatively easy marks because we both just love Games Master. I mean, go back and listen to Series 3. We had issues with the show, sure, but we wouldn't beat it up. There was still a lot to love there. The one thing I would say about this new series is that there are certain challenges that I think I've been pretty down on. And that's not because the challenges were bad or the contestants were bad or the production was bad or anything like that. It's just that I have got fuck all interest in Call of Duty and I have got fuck all interest in FIFA 22. Mortal Kombat, I really love because I, although I haven't played 11, I did play quite a bit of 10 and I played a lot of Street Fighter 4. I played a lot of the previous installments, the, the ones that we got in, in, in this, you know, in this one. I don't really get Splatoon much either, but I think it is a testament to how good this show has been that even though I have very little interest in any of these games, that I still got a massive kick out of the challenges. And I, I think that it is the sort of the stipulations that they put onto the challenges. I think it is the choice of contestants as well. I think it's just the overall presentation of it. I'm I'm never going to play Deathloop, but I thought it was a really, really fun challenge. FIFA 22 was going to be the hard sell for both of us, but the stipulation they came up with, that's what made me go, oh, hello. Yeah. That, that was a great stipulation, a great way to hook interest. And a great way to work around limitations of FIFA, like how long each half was, what time you had to work with. It was something that you actually said in the episode, which I, I completely agree with. Uh, and I hadn't thought about it until you'd said it. But it was a much more interesting challenge than had it just been player versus player. Like, I'm sure that would have also been fun. But the actual stipulations is really what sold it. And I, I was thinking about this kind of on my way into the office today, that it might be my favorite FIFA challenge we've ever had on Games Master. Because all the other FIFA challenges we've had have just been player versus player ones. And this one, because of everything that was kind of like built around it and all the bells and whistles around it, made it, I think, probably my favorite one we've actually had on the show so far. Yeah, I'd say some of the celebrity ones may get a pass slightly higher from the classic series because it's kind of fun to see Vinnie Jones playing FIFA. And it's classic FIFA, which is a game I'm actually familiar with because I played them up until 97. Yeah. But we've already gone into multiple times over the episodes. We love the hosts. I mean, we've spoken with two out of three of them. We've spoken with one of the gatekeepers. We've spoken with the showrunner and the series producer. Um, we've chatted with other people involved off the record or just while we were visiting the set or in the run-up to the show. I got to talk to a bunch of people last night, including uh, the guys that do the titles and the VFX, which was really cool because I nerded out with them about the lava field. Because you remember when we were at shooting and we were looking at the lava field loop, and mm -hmm. I was like, that's a model shot. That looks like kind of Lone Gunman of the Apocalypse. That, that yeah. kind of thing was completely CGI. Just really, really good fluid dynamics. Damn, it's impressive. I guess what I'm roundabout trying to say is like, I think we've already established we love pretty much everything about how they've made this show. It was a hell of a potential poison chalice. And the fact that they managed to sell us on challenges that we wouldn't necessarily be interested in, like FIFA, like Call of Duty, that's something. I think I'd have found Call of Duty more compelling if uh, Gabby and Ems had done well, but I think they'd have also done better with a better setup. The split screen was not great. Like a lot of things, they were limited by resources and time. I feel like you and I have kind of covered a lot of our thoughts about the show et al across the three episode reviews that we've done. Like if you are listening to this, you'd be like, hmm, I haven't talked about much that they like and don't like. I think we've just done, you know, we've released like nine hours worth of podcasts over the last three weeks that sort of uh, covered all of that. 
But there is one albatross that we have been saving for this final episode. And that is the promotion of this show. I may go on for a little bit here, so I'm going to apologize in advance. I work for a YouTube channel. YouTube is, is sort of my thing because it, it's what I do as a, as a day-to-day job. And I find it baffling that the premieres that they were putting up for Games Master were going up so late. So the way that a premiere works on YouTube, or the way that you load a video to YouTube, is you're given several options. You either make it public, which means as soon as you click save, the video goes out. You can make it unlisted, which means anyone who has got the link can watch the video. It's kind of like how videos tend to go onto Patreon. You can set it to private, which means only people who've got channel access can then watch it. Or you can schedule it. When you schedule it, it's how we tend to do the WrestleTalk news. The news gets finished at about uh, half 11, 12-ish. We watch through it, make sure it's all right, and then schedule it to go up at 1 p.m. We then have every single day, the news goes up at 1 p.m. And like when we do our live podcasts and stuff, we schedule it to go out at 3 p.m. every single day. Once you do that and you've scheduled it and you click save, people get sent out their notifications. And if you go onto the channel, it is right there. And it'll be like, next video coming up at this time. And YouTube likes that because people can get into the chat already and start to chat amongst them and sort of like uh, it, it's interaction, right? That's, that is video interaction, which they really like. Also, people go in there, click the thumbs up button. The more people that go in there and click the thumbs up button, the more it falls into the algorithm, the more it gets shared out to more people, the more people find out that something is coming up and it's going live in an hour. They also click the thumbs up. They also join in the interactions and things like that. That's what YouTube thrives on. There's also a little button on there that's called set reminder. So you can click that button and it will then send you out an email or it'll send you out a little notification on your phone to be like, hey, that thing that you were going to tune into, but it was like six hours ago when you found the link, it's now ready for you to come and watch that video. YouTube premieres are a different form of scheduling, which is that it's a upload that gets played out so everyone watches it at the same time. So I totally get why you would choose to use the premiere option. Part of me thinks like, oh yeah, that's the total smart way of doing it, right? Because everyone watches it at the same time. So you get the thumbs up from me there. It also, it doesn't mean it falls into the algorithm the same way. Like YouTube have always recommended to us never to do premieres because it's really saved for like for uh, motion picture releases, like trailers and things like that. That is what YouTube recommends premieres be used for. Lower channels shouldn't really use them because it just it doesn't fall into the algorithm the same way. People don't find it the same way in this and the other. But I totally get why they did that. What I find irritating about all of this, though, is that, okay, so for episode two, for example, Ash and I were sent the link to that, so it was ready on Friday. If I am in charge of the promotion of this and loading it into the Channel 4 backend, the E4 backend, and it's ready on Friday... I'm putting it on Friday and I'm setting that premiere to go Sunday at 7 p.m. That way you've got two full days of time where people can get into the chat, people can chat, people can share that link out. Also, your social channels can share that link. So E4, when they'd be like 7 p.m. on Sunday, here's the link, set your reminder. It's what I do on a near daily basis with the WrestleTalk podcast. I did it this morning, in fact, for the show that I'm doing in about an hour and a half or so. I said that at 10 a.m. the day, I put out a link to be like, here is the link. This is where you're going to be watching this show in a few, in like five hours time. You give it to Rab, you give it to Frankie, you give it to Ty, you give it to Sunpai, you give it to whoever's on Everyone. the show. Absolutely. So they can all share it out as well. Everyone is sending out the same link. Everyone is getting into the interactions and stuff, which is what YouTube likes. What they were actually doing is waiting for 7 p.m. on a Sunday and then loading it into the back end and setting it as a premiere. That is a backwards way of doing premieres on YouTube. 
I get that this is a new venture for uh, Channel 4. This is a, they've never done this before. So I totally get that. But I would have thought when you did it on episode one and it didn't quite work out that great. And so, and then it really bottled out on episode two where the episode didn't go out at seven. It went out like 10 past seven because you were still loading it into the back end of YouTube. That by episode three, you would have got that in place. You would have got something there. Step by step, here is the way we're promoting this show. So I apologize. I've, I just went on a little rant there because I just think it is, it's, it's terrible. It's not best practice. And if you want this show to go out and get off to the best start and get out to the right sort of people and just be able to promote this in the easiest way possible, that is an easy win. And it's, it just doesn't seem like the right way to do that. It's fair to say that this social first venture is also a first for E4. Exactly. They never announced that it was the first time they've done it. But if you look at E4's output, you can tell they've never done this before. It's just been clips of like Made in Chelsea and things like that. Cats does Countdown. Yeah. You no, know, but it, it was getting clips and it was posting them. And if you look at some of the clips they've uploaded for Games Master, they've done really well. Yeah, because they weren't premiers. They weren't premiers. So those are just videos that have been gone into YouTube's algorithm and fallen into the right algorithm and getting the right interactions that they want to and getting shared out amongst other people. Premiers don't get shared that same way. So the clips are always going to do much better, I think. If you know you're wanting to do this and you don't have not the talent, but the knowledge and experience in-house, which is no shame in that, Luke. We don't nope. all know how to do anything. Like, you know how to do the premieres and all that stuff. I do not. You take care for the most part of the YouTube back end, and I can do some audio editing stuff that you can't do. Absolutely. We share this workload because that's the, uh, the, the editing side of things, that is really within your wheelhouse, and you are the best person for that, right? Thank but you. When it comes to our YouTube live stream, yeah, well, absolutely. You are yeah, very, very good at it. It's literally one of your jobs. But, like, yeah, like if we come to doing YouTube stuff, if, you get, if it's Twitch, I'm in a blues clue. I would pass that across to you because you know Twitch better than I do. Oh, we'd both be fucked at that point. But anyway, <laughs> my, my, my point is, you know you've got this show, which you have from January, when you were looking for a sponsor, have gone social first. If you are using the term social first, but do not fully know what that term will actually mean, or when you know what it means, have the skill set in-house to take care of it, find an 18-year-old, find a 20-year-old, because there's a chance that some of these content creators, some of these YouTubers, some of these Twitch streamers, some of these influencers, if you will, would come in and do it. And you don't need to employ them full time. It's a gig job. You bring them in for the month of Games Master, maybe a couple of weeks before first broadcast, because that's a separate gripe to have about the publicity. But you bring someone in that knows how to do this. And this isn't me kind of shitting on the people responsible for uploading stuff to YouTube at Channel 4. Because realistically, if they don't have the experience in doing this, that is not the individual's fault. Nope. It is a management level cock up. Absolutely. Someone should know that this is what they're saying they're going to do. This is what they want to do, but they don't appear to have the skill set to do it. And if there are technical issues, well, that's why you do trial runs. You can do all sorts of premieres. You could do a premiere of just a bloody test card for 45 minutes, just so you can get your head around how it works. You can create a dummy channel and do it on that. You can go through all this stuff. None of it requires a completed episode. There are lessons to be learned there. And I hope if we continue forward and there is more Games Master, that one, they learn and maybe they look at what they're doing, how they're doing it, maybe modify. Maybe they decide that social first isn't the way to go, that actually the way to go is traditional broadcast and then bombard their YouTube channel with, with clips and Facebook with clips and Twitter and Instagram with clips. Maybe that would work better for Games Master. But 
I hope that they would look and they would learn from this. I also hope that by saying all this, we can still stay on the press list because, <laughs> you know, we are speaking truthfully as we have about this show, of game, this run of Games Master and indeed the classic Games Master. We know we, we've always spoken from the heart and we've, we've tried not to punch down, but we've also tried not to cover up. And we're saying this and we're complaining about this because we do love this show. Yeah. And we've seen the love that's gone into making it. And it is, to be blunt, fucking painful to see something that we as fans care about miss its broadcast start time on an on-demand platform by up to 10 minutes for no discernible reason. That's exactly it. On episode two, you text me saying the premiere's not up yet. This was about sort of like, I don't know, quarter to six? A quarter to seven, in fact. I think you and I were texting each other. And I remember texting you back and being like, they must not be doing a premiere this week then. Maybe someone has told them that like, you know, premieres aren't really good for the algorithm, which I kind of went into a bit earlier. And I was like, maybe they're going to do it this way or the other way. And I was just sort of like using my YouTube brain being like, why, why wouldn't it be this way? Why would they have missed it? So I was trying to like sort of rationale why this and the other. And then before I knew it, 10 past seven rolls around and a premiere starts. And I'm like, oh, so they... They were doing it that way. They've just loaded it on the day. Not even on the day, on the hour that it's meant to be going out to push out live. It's an oversight is what it is. Like, and it's, a, it's lessons learned. That is exactly what this is. This is a first time round on doing this. And maybe this sounds like I am sort of like uh, advertising myself. The company that I work for does channel management. We actually do it for one of the UK's biggest cinema chains. They don't do anything on their YouTube channel. We do everything for them. Anything that gets loaded on that channel, that is on. We do that because that is part of the uh, job that we have. Just saying, if anyone's listening, um, we will gladly take on the work. Oh, well, I at this point, I'll do anything <laughs> at this point. And it is for me, like, it is a case of I'm not trying to have a pop at anyone. I'm not trying to, like, dog on anyone or say that what anyone did was terrible. It's just it's frustrating, right? Because, and you, and you can't actually say that the YouTube has been a failure. Because the YouTube videos combined have got over a million views, whether that is just the episodes themselves or the social clips that they uploaded up. They've done over a million views. That's great news. That's really good for three weeks. That's quite a success, but it also could have been a bigger success. And it also could have been much easier to promote had you have done this one small tiny thing. And speaking of promote, this is, I guess, where it gets to the other bugbear is how they promoted this. Or how they didn't, because I'm going to take a small sampling. There are lots of people of my and your age who grew up with the original who are still only just finding out that Games Master came back. Yeah. There are people of my sister's age who are gamers. So, like, you know, a good decade or so younger than me, who, unless they probably know me, also probably don't know that Games Master is coming back. And then there's people like the ones that work in my local game shop who are late teens, early 20s. And I remember saying to one of them a week or so ago, going, oh, did you watch Games Master? Games Master? These guys literally work in a video game shop. They play more games than either of us combined. And they had no idea. Now, that's a very small sampling. That's a microcosm. You can't reach everyone. But how were you targeting this? How were you marketing it? And it's especially confusing because... We have two main bodies behind this. We have Channel 4, who are a broadcaster, have multiple channels, have multiple YouTube presences, multiple social media presences. They have the ability to have been promoting this since they were looking for challengers. Since they knew Games Master was coming back, they could have been running cold teases for this as YouTube adverts, uh, E4 adverts, little five-second stingers, idents. As soon as they had some sort of CGI imagery to work with, they could have been running with it. You've got Future, who last I checked are a publisher. I, you know, it, and I'm yeah. just thinking, like, this show... And this is an absolute astounding credit to everyone on the side of the production. Went from initial meetings, 
kind of first production meeting to broadcast in three months. That's everything from working out what the show's going to be, finding a location, finding a cast, finding a crew, finding contestants, finding games. And we're going to get onto that a little bit later as part of the listener feedback. And then getting it edited and broadcast and approved in about three months. I only have tertiary experience of the television industry from knowing people that work on various shows, from having been on various sets, from having done various recordings and whatnot. And when we both realised what that timeline was, we were shocked when we kind of did the math of knowing when they were hoping to broadcast it and knowing when we had spoken from a research perspective to Kian at the start of his journey on this show. And it was this real case of, shit, <sighs> this is, this is insane. Yeah, it's an incredibly tight turnaround. So yes, yeah, so we end up in this situation where we have a show that ran for three episodes. It's still gaining traction now. If I go and look at the Twitter keyword, not even just hashtag, just keyword for Games Master, I can guarantee if I look at the past five, six hours, I will find a bunch of people that are going, I didn't know they're bringing Games Master back. Oh, wow. They've got Trevor McDonald. Speaking anecdotally uh, about this, I am I'm going to possibly err on the side of caution with some of this, or at least at the very least, I'm going to play some form of devil's advocates on this. We don't know how much money was set aside for the promotional side of the show, but which PR team they were working with, uh, and this, that, and the other. Because I was thinking about this, and I was like, man, yeah, like you know. The websites that you and I tend to read have covered this. Nintendo Live posted about this. Games Radar posted about this. You know, all the future-based ones were all talking about this. But there weren't many reviews out. Like, really, it was the Guardian did a review. We do reviews because we're a Games Master podcast. And then there was that DVD reviewer lad who was just mad because, oh no, someone who doesn't look like me is on the show. Ergo, it's bad. So really, like when you look at it, it's like, well, so it's just us and it's the Guardian are the only ones who are sort of doing reviews of this show. From personal experience, when I released my book, I gave my publisher a list of people to send the book out to, send the press release out to in this, that, and the other. And I was then getting really cranky with my publisher. I was like, well, no one's covering it. None of the places that we've sent this out to that would, in theory, be interested in this are doing any form of coverage of this book. I didn't get any reviews of the book out whatsoever, which is probably why, you know, the book didn't sell well. So, if, you know, no one bought it. But, you know, it was, it was actually just something I wanted to do as opposed to try and make money off it. But my, my first paycheck I got for that was after six months worth of sale, I got, it was $70 was how much I'd actually made for it. The second check I got another, the six months after that was for minus $11 because it was, um, it was stock being sent back by, you know, people who had pre like bought the book for stock and then were sending it back because they weren't selling any of it. So I technically owed them money. It was a grand success was the book release. But what it turned out was that in the end, I sort of took matters into my own hands and I started to approach the, the same people and sending out the press release and stuff. And what I found was that they just didn't have any interest in it. They didn't want to do interviews. They didn't want to do reviews. They didn't want to put any press releases out for it. And I was like thinking about this. I was like, we spoke to Frankie and she was like, oh, I've got a couple of interviews lined up. But it could be that the PR team sent out for multiple interview opportunities. It's just that no one was that interested. And it was something that Rab said in the interview that we did with him that's really stuck with me, which is when he said that he was unsure whether he wanted to do it because of it's a poison chalice. And then he mentioned it to his wife and his wife said, what's Games Master? And he mentioned it to his teenage daughter who also said, I've no idea what that show is. And so you start to think it's like, well, maybe we're the ones that are building this up to be bigger than it actually is. Like this, we have built it up to be this big thing because we're in the bubble. Uh, but maybe actually the vast majority of people don't care. 
I also think as well, like if or when a brand new series of Taskmaster starts on Channel 4, if you go through the hashtag, you will see people be like, oh, I didn't know Taskmaster was back on. And like Channel 4 put way more promotion into Taskmaster than they do anything else. So like, I think there are always going to be people that slip through the gaps. And anecdotally, the people, family members that contact me to say, did you know the show was coming back? Or people that contact me on Twitter to say, did you know the show was coming back? Had seen the advert on Channel 4. Either that was through the when they edit on the Bake Off or like actually on my smart TV, if I go to the All 4 app, it's one of the five options of like shows we recommend to watch. And that's not because I've watched Games Master on my All 4 account because I haven't. So it is up there. So I, I think that there were some efforts that were done. I just wonder whether or not is there an audience for this show? And that, that is me just playing devil's advocate more than anything else. We could just be literally blowing spoke and actually, you know, they produced an amazing show but there isn't an audience for it. But the counterpoint to that is people are still finding it. It's not at a flood. It's not at a trickle. It's a constant stream, ironically, but people are still finding it. Maybe we're back with the same problem that the Games Master had in the 1990s. Television executives do not, as a rule, understand video games because that's why they work in television and not video games. Channel 4 strike me as the sort of people that if they did a documentary, they would have a line where it's like, did you know that it's now a billion dollar industry? You know, despite the fact that it's been a billion dollar industry now for 30 plus years. If you watch any video game documentary on Netflix, it always tends to have that line. It's not just Pac-Man anymore, everyone. It's now like people play it for fun. Everyone, like Everyone's getting his candy crush. So yeah, I, I, you might just be, yeah, you're right. There's that like Channel 4 executive type thing. Yeah. Again, this is anecdotal, um, but I, I do know someone who worked on a show for Channel 4. It was a quiz show. That was, it was a cooking-based quiz show where you would answer questions and if you got the question right, you got a good ingredient, you got the question wrong, you got a bad ingredient. And sort of like they designed it to be like you were trying to create this one type of dish and then at the end of the, the end of the thing, you would cook your meal and the person who cooked the best meal at the end of the quiz wins. And they had this great idea and then Channel 4 really started to get involved with it. And what started as this very fun uh, idea, this sort of Brian Breed idea, got shot in a dark studio where you couldn't even see the audience. Because that's what Channel 4 thought it needed to look like. And it then got shown at like 4pm on a weekday. It started out as one thing and it ended up as something completely different. And in the end, didn't get a second series. I guess before we go into the listener feedback, let's talk best case scenario. Let's look, let's, let's end our little rant, you know, and again, we mean nothing personal against anyone at Channel 4, unless someone at Channel 4 was like, I want to kill this show. In which case, <laughs> yeah. you know, fuck you. But best case scenario, this was an experiment. Social first. The episode one viewing figures for E4, all four run stuff, the initial week catch up are in. They hit a quarter of a million. That uh, I saw that come by on Twitter the other day. I think it was from TV Zone showed up, which is actually about what that time slot did, but with an established program, which mm -hmm. Games Master was not. So catch up, it actually maybe works. Do they look at what the show cost? Do they look at the offset of the MetaQuest sponsorship? And do they look at the audience reaction and the fact they are reaching an audience not currently being catered for? And do they go, yeah, let's get another six? If I was a betting man, which I, I, I am not, I got, I've got to think there's another series on this. I, I just got to. Like, I think if you are Channel 4 and you were looking at the the numbers that it did, the numbers that it, it's done on YouTube, that you write like the MetaQuest sponsorship deal, this feels like such an easy win. And the other thing as well, like, you know, we, we haven't really touched upon is not the audience feedback, the viewer feedback that we've got, you know, our listener feedback. When you go through that hashtag, it is 
praise upon praise upon praise upon praise. The dickheads who didn't like it, who and, and I'm, when I say dickheads who didn't like it, I mean the people who didn't like it because, oh my God, what? Someone who's non-binary was on the show? Fuck this. It doesn't case to me. I'm speaking of those dickheads. They they didn't watch episodes two and three because they were angry at the fact that the show was being, you know, uh, representative. But I think the vast majority of people that watched this either said, this is great, or this is way better than I was expecting it to be. Like, and that's been like one of my favorite bits of feedback about this. You go back and you listen to our confirmed episode, like when the news came out that this show was being made and the amount of trepidation that we had from people who are responding to us on Twitter. Like, do you remember this? Like people being yeah. like, oh, I'm not sure about this. It's 2021. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. I don't think this is going to be very good. We haven't had any of that since. Since that first episode came out, all of that has gone completely quiet. Everyone is just like, man, this show's really great. And I, I, I think that I think this show has turned a lot of people around. And even those, like, we've got some listener feedback that isn't all positive. We, you know, we have some we have some points to address, we have some that we can't address. But even the ones which are negative, they're not going, this show is bad. They're just going, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I struggle to find 45 minutes to watch a show. Maybe I'd prefer it to be shorter. They're not saying that the show is intrinsically bad. They are giving balanced criticism. And that's fine. But it is the people that are just throwing their toys out of the pram and going, why is it not catering exclusive for me? Exactly, yeah. I, I watched this show in 1992. Why, is, why isn't it not the same show as it was then? Why is it not in 4.3 and filmed on videotape? I've said this on the show before, but I would wager a lot of those people don't actually remember the show as well as they think they do. They have concocted a version of that show into their heads and think that the show was always the same throughout its you know seven series and don't act do not remember it as clearly as they think. No. Anyway, I guess we've now just completely shot ourselves in the foot of ever working <laughs> with Channel 4 on anything. <laughs> so we've got that out of our system. I think, you know, we, we've aired our, our, our main grievances with this return of Games Master, which is basically down to how it was or wasn't marketed. But let's move on to other people's opinions because we have had a whole host of listener feedback. A lot of it good, some of it bad. But if you submitted a question or a statement or an observation as part of your feedback and you don't hear us read it out, there's a chance that it is one of our frequently raised points, which we saw across a number of different pieces of feedback. So rather than read them out three or four times, we're just going to kind of address them all at the end. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, let's kick things off with a little bit of audio feedback. We've only got two bits of audio feedback for this episode, and we'll kick off with our first from Dark73. Let's hear what he's got to say. Hello, you lovely lots, and welcome to my feedback for Games Master Series 8. I am very excited to talk about this, but also very nervous to hear my own voice back in the podcast lead. So this is going to be fun, but... Let's talk about it. Let's get straight into the nitty gritty and talk about Games Master. And what can I say more than this show was fantastic. So many positives that I've not seen in many shows. It's really great to see such a show like Games Master on such a tight turnaround and being able to create these three episodes was just amazing just the production value and everything like that i i mean i'm in awe of how they've got this together and produced the show as they have because i'm going to talk about so many ups i'm going to talk about a gripe i had with the show but honestly i'm going to be so positive more than anything one of my favorite segments ever on this show was educating grado and i mean <laughs> it's fantastic the sort of interactions between Grado and Rab were just brilliant they bounced off each other so well and you could tell why they have a podcast because it was just brilliant especially the last one they did for episode 3 on the mods the back and forth between them was so good that it went on for the great amount of time it gave it time to breathe and a good perspective on the mod and the Killing Margaret Thatcher joke, which was sublime. <laughs> to say the least, it was sublime. And honestly, it's a feature that I'd love to see come back. And I know some people have gripes with it because maybe you don't know Grado and, you know, it's kind of just a random guy for some people. But I know about him from sort of the podcast that I've listened to by Luke talking about that with World of Sport. So I've known about Grado for a good while now. 
and it was great to get that interaction with him and honestly i am gonna go listen to that podcast because i hadn't heard about it before now and it's going uh in my list of things to listen to at work so my favorite challenge is an obvious one but so good that it has to be highlighted is cuphead christian you are amazing <laughs> i mean the game playing skills you have to have with cuphead is well it's up there it's one of the toughest games and you know, I haven't personally played it, but I've seen so many people rage at the game <laughs> over, over how difficult it is. Such skill is needed, especially to not be hit by anything like that. And it's not the fastest you've ever seen, probably. But that didn't matter. It was about that dramatic thing of seeing good games playing of someone that has honed their craft for years, and it's with muscle memory for them. And, you know, you go into a game you've basically played for like two days and you're acing it like that on on TV. It's it's incredible the amounts of like game playing skill in there. And it made it one of the best challenges. I think of all the games master we've seen from the previous series and up until now, I think it was absolutely fantastic. Ketchup and mustard giving them shout outs to them. They were great bouncing off each other. It was fantastic. Uh, I think they were great with their challenge. And, and you know, it was definitely up there uh, with things. And listening to them on the podcast was fantastic, getting their insights on their background and just enjoying their presence on the show when in the interactions with Rab and they bounce off so well. And I, I very much enjoyed. Now. I am going to give my personal gripe, and I've talked to Ash about this personally. Um, Splatoon 2. Now, the motion controls on the game I personally play with, and it's a fluent motion, and I really get into it personally, and I love the game for it. It's supposed to do the original style of camera control, and, you know, I think there was a downside to that. For the fact that um Snoochie, as you saw, was pointing mainly at the ground, and it was very hard to get into for sometimes because obviously you saw little lad Larry spawn killing her, and you had the whole thing of, oh, he was cheating, he's a kid, that kind of thing. But I think with motion controls, personally for me, I think they would have fit the challenge better and improved it. But this is me nitpicking, and I saw the side of Ash of, like, people are used to not really used to motion controls, and I think it's a valid point. It's my personal gripe of how I've personally played the game, and I'm taking it to that. But from that, that is my only actual sort of downside of the show. And it's that one challenge and the gameplay. Everything else, including sort of Snoochie and Little Lad Larry and all the other challenges and all the segments, I have so much positive energy for. And the fact that you can make a show like that and the downsides are so little you can brush past it and it's so amazing to think about this show it was brilliant and i can't say that anything more than i really want the show to return i really do and i hope it can return to our screens and we get to see more of games master on tv and i think it will be a show that 
should run for a good while. And I look forward to seeing more from the show. Now, I remember Dark73 uh, talking about this on the Discord, uh, about the motion controls in Splatoon 2. Now, Luke, we've established I'm more of a modern gamer than you, but I'm not a Splatoon player. I think we established that in the episode and we established that when we saw the challenge being recorded. I have done due diligence and I've gone and I've checked out Splatoon 2's motion controls. And you know what? They are very good if you get on with motion controls. I see. If you don't get on with motion controls, it's probably not good. And okay, you know, devil's advocate, Larry had played Splatoon 2 before. Snoochie Shy had apparently played Splatoon 2 before. But if you're picking up a game that is like a third person or first person shooter and you've never played it before and you just want a quick blast you're probably going to stick with the default control mappings for that kind of game. The sort of stuff that's a commonality. Sure, some may have the fire on the A button, some may have it on the right trigger, some even may have it on the left trigger. Weird ones, I don't know. But you're going to stick with that kind of common control set because it allows you to pick it up as quickly as possible. If you are not someone that plays this game a lot, and if you are playing it in a high-pressured situation, I think ignoring the motion controls is a good idea. Because as someone that does play some Switch games with motion controls, they are not perfect. They are far from perfect. They still glitch. They can still go slightly awry. Sticking with the standard controls, that seems smart to me. As I said, in I can't remember which episode it was. I think it might have been episode two with the Little Lad Larry challenge. My guess on this, and I don't know this for a fact, this was just my assumption. We know that the reason Larry got on board with the show is because they called Barry, uh, Alex Berry, and said, do you want to be part of this show? And his response was, do you know what? My kid's much better at me at games than these days. And then the idea was, well, I was like, oh, well, okay, we'll get the kid to do it instead. So my guess would be, if I was doing this production, I would then say to the kid, what games do you like to play? And the kid would reel off the list of games that he likes, and you pick out the three that you can get clearances for and do those as the challenges. And then the celebrities that have come on are pretty much under the understanding you're here to lose and put over the kids. And so like, if they don't know the game that well, then doesn't really matter too much you're not there to win anyway and so like whether it's motion controls or not motion controls i would just wager that like the kid's going to be much better at the game than you ever will be because he's probably played it a thousand times over and is comfortable with a certain style of playing yeah i i can understand why someone that's that plays splatoon 2 and knows the game very well would be going please use the motion controls they make the game a lot better and as i think they said it would make the game easier to understand but i can also understand why they didn't go that direction mm. So yeah, but thank you. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for sending in some audio feedback. It was nice to have a new voice added to the chorus because the guys we've got later, they're, they're old hacks at this now. So it was nice to have someone new. Moving on to our written feedback, which we got a lot of. Our first piece comes from Ian McGarry, who says, Hi guys, just dropping some of my own thoughts on season eight. Firstly, I think my positives will be shared by the vast majority that I have seen online, but bears repeating again, Sir Trevor is the star. His delivery and the writing alone for him deserves a new series. Everything was spot on. Other positives, I really like the three hosts. Being a fellow Scot, I was delighted to see rap front and centre. The setting was perfect. If there's a season nine, I would definitely keep it there. We agree with that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I also enjoyed the Grado skits, which is ironic as it's basically just Rab and his mate and one of the main criticisms, brackets not for me, on the OG Games Master was that it turned into Dom and his mates. I think the slight counter to that, I suppose, would be is that it's one section that is Dom and his mates, as opposed to a whole episode, which is Dom and his mates. I would agree with that. 
to use the parlance of the show now, it was a small VT, which if you didn't like, you could take a loo break or, you know, go and grab a cup of tea or whatever while that was on. And also the one thing I will praise them for is that they didn't really make any in-jokes based on either of their history, both in wrestling, both outside of wrestling, whatever. It was just a case of, here is a man we know as the host of the show. Here is a man that apparently knows nothing about gaming and has never seen Jaws, but has read Dick Whittington twice. Mm. And they did all the setup there. And that was really, really nicely done. Ian loved seeing big boy Barry. He also loved seeing little boy Larry as well. However, if they return, he would maybe space out their appearances to make it more of a special attraction. Make it like the Undertaker streak, fighting like Triple H and Shawn Mike instead of King Kong, Bundy and Giant Gonzalez. That's a really good point, actually. I like that a lot. So you don't do it as every Celebrity Challenge's Little Lad Larry. If you have a run of 10 episodes, three of them are Larry, or maybe like four or five of them are. And so it's not every single week you get it. I would say set it up. The, the, okay, fantasy booking. Kian, use this if you want. But you have a challenge set that the Games Master sets up the game, interviews the celebrity, celebrities welcome to the gaming level by Rab, and the celebrity calls out Larry. Mm, so nice. it is kind of, it's like an open challenge thing. He calls, he calls him out. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of making it like The Undertaker then. You know, some celebrity challenges are just celebrity versus celebrity. Celebrity versus the game, maybe celebrity versus punter, streamer, content creator, whatever you want. But then occasionally you'll get someone... Maybe always lever towards the celebrities that are more mouth than trousers who call out little lad Larry. Or you just have Larry like always. I mean, it's not possible to do, but I'm just spitballing ideas here. Larry is always just sat in the set like Shao Kahn, just sort of watching over the celebrity challenges, waiting for a celebrity that is worth his time. Oh, I've got a way they could do this. And it wouldn't involve Larry being there all the time. They just film a bunch of B-roll of him up on the gantry that Rab uses. Mm. And then they can, if they film enough of it on one day, they can just cut away to it occasionally. I mean, they mixed and match shots all over this series, so why not do it like that? But anyway, to conclude, Ian says, overall, I really enjoyed the new episodes and would love to see it return. The biggest compliment I can give is that it didn't make me miss Dominic Diamond. And that's coming from a huge Dom fan, Pants. That is great. Thank you so much for that feedback. Let's get into uh, Nuts TNC from our Discord server. Now, you may recall uh, Nuts' review from the last series. This is the second time that he is submitting uh, feedback to this. Nut is not a native English speaker. Nut is from Thailand. And he has just sort of stumbled into this Games Master fandom and has become a huge fan of this. Wasn't around when the original series was on. Bloody loves a font. And he has been sending feedback to us and watching. So I think for Nut, Series 8 must have been a really exciting time because not only did he, A, he get to watch the show live, B, he was actually able to watch the show because it's it's a worldwide premiere now. And this is something I was going to touch on earlier during our feedback, but I figured now would be a good time to raise it, is it's been very cool as I've been kind of sat there watching the Games Master keyword column go by on my tweet deck seeing people posting and they're not just from around the uk or they're not expats it's been a very cool thing we were critical of the marketing earlier i don't know how you would market to an international audience not really uh but if you can pick it up naturally that's cool maybe that's where finding a decent partner that will like the like the meta sponsorship someone that will promote it on their own platforms that have a global audience mm. Well, Nut has got this to say. I watched the new era of Games Master in 2021. It's back and it's been great. Rab is now the host. He's a little funny with his knowledge of video games. Frankie is the co-host and also color commentary, which is good. As for Ty, it's like being a comedian. 
I said, it's not bad to talk to people in the audience, a bunch I, I very much do agree with. The show format in modern GM seems to focus on video game challenges and features, which is good because video game reviews now have too many video game outlets to compete against. Celebrity Challenge, the latest kind of challenges with Little Lad Larry, looks really good, but I would love to see an old Celebrity Challenge format put into the new modern Games Master series. Uh, their favorite challenge was Street Fighter Five. Street Fighter Five was the best challenge, uh, and the worst one was the Call of Duty Modern Warfare challenge. And that finishes here saying it would be great to continue in the next series, hopefully in a better set. Now that I very much also, I disagree with on that one. I disagree with 355 being the best challenge and the, the set being uh, a better set being needed. Because I thought the set was so cool. Something I will say in defense of the Street Fighter V challenge, which is funny because I'm fairly certain I ragged on it fairly hard, is it was a close challenge. It wasn't amazing Street Fighter gameplay, but it was a close challenge. And so that made it quite exciting. The Tekken challenge was also a very close challenge as well. I do kind of agree with the Call of Duty, and that's no offense to Gabby and M. It was a difficult challenge to sell. And I think the split screen, rather than each person having their own display, was the hard one there. Yeah, for me, actually, I don't think Street Fighter Five was the worst challenge either. But I probably would agree that it's the maybe the Call of Duty one was my least favorite for similar reasons that you just went over there. But yeah, Street Fighter Five far from my worst challenge on the show, mostly because I didn't mind the scrubby game playing. I liked it because it was regular folk, and it felt very much like the original series. So I would never put it as one of my uh, one of my least favorites. And I wonder actually, it's a common occurrence that we got within our feedback that maybe we'll touch on later. Maybe the reason why Nut liked that challenge so much is that it was regular folk and not content creators. Nut also had a little PS saying that he felt the abyss feels like Games Master Series 2 to 4. I would absolutely agree. There was definitely notes of into the pit, the caretaker taking them away and being thrust into the crowd in Series 4. It, it's a lovely gambit, and I, as I think I said, this is kind of counterpoint of Games Master is much more welcoming now and friendlier now, but they kill you. Yeah, you're literally dying on the show. But thank you, Nut, for that feedback. Keep sending it in, keep being part of our under-consultation community. Uh, it's, it's very, very cool to have international fans of Games Master and international listeners for us. Speaking of our under-consultation community and speaking of the Discord, Sean, Sean Dunn is next with his feedbacks saying, Hey guys, how proud I am of the hard work yous have done to see the appreciation yous are getting is amazing. I love season eight. The presenters and crew around Games Master are just great. I found new streams like Frankie and Jonesy. Jonesy, who's just joined our Discord, by the I way. I saw that. Very much undersold as well, I would say as well. Like, I, I went because we got a, uh, a DM from her on Twitter saying, oh, I've just joined your Discord. And I was like, oh, sweet. That's amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll see you there. That was like 11 uh, a.m. yesterday. So I was like, I'm going to scroll back and see the reaction that Jonesy got when he got in. I'm Cliff talking about some old bollocks. And I'm like, no, hey. Jonesy, a gatekeeper has joined our Discord. You show her some respect. Well, that's all right, because Misha is suggesting that Jonesy turns up to Under Consultation Live and starts like doing autographs for a fiver each. And I'm like, hang on, she'll make more money than we do. <laughs> but yeah, Sean found new streams like Frankie and Jonesy, new games to get like Cuphead and Mortal Kombat 11, I'm assuming. The show has been a big hit for me. Also, a big shout out to the Discord for all the help and support they give me. He has a Twitch channel and he'll see us in the abyss. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for being part of our community. Speaking of someone else who has just joined our Discord as well, uh, not just one uh, joystick winner, a two joystick winner. You may call him Chrissy Two Sticks. Chrissy's been all over this uh, this series of the podcast, hasn't he? 
Oh yeah, and actually, you know, at the rap party the other night, other people were using the phrase Chrissy Two Sticks, and I was like, God damn it, I should have copyrighted that. I was going to say, yeah. Anyway, Chrissy has got this to say. I didn't have any sort of pre-expectations of how the show would be as I wanted to watch with an empty glass. When I was on set, I assumed each day's filming would be for each episode, which it wasn't, so I got to see a challenge from each of the three episodes being seamlessly integrated. The magic of post-editing. That's how we survive. I thoroughly enjoyed the entire series. It was so good to see such a fun show with variety, information, and humor that's different to watch a Twitch stream or an e-tournament all rolled into one. The last episode was great fun, apart from the FIFA challenge, which I found slightly boring and annoyed at the challenger's gameplay as he's supposed to be a pro. I was constantly screaming at the screen to pass and shoot. It would have been my favorite episode, but there was such a great final challenge in episode two, which tipped it for me. No bias. Hmm. Educating Grado was excellent and funny, and I loved the continuous celeb versus Larry in each episode. It's a good segment to look forward to. I'd like to try my chance against him one day if I ever make it to the letter of the alphabet in terms of celebrity. Now that it's finished, I have an empty feeling in the pit of my stomach. That's it. No more. Or is it? I mean, that's the million dollar question. We're seeing stuff go by on Twitter at the moment to people adding E4 and E4 responding, saying no information yet, but we'll pass along your feedback. We'll see if that happens. I've been thinking about this FIFA challenge and I went and did some digging. Now, obviously, Shells is a pro FIFA player. He's a, he's a tournament winner. He won the E Premier League. But this was FIFA 22. And if my calendar dates are right, it had only been out for like a week. Yep, that would be my guess as well, yeah. Even if he got early access as a pro player... Which I would imagine he would do, yeah. It's still a world of difference from playing a game that's been out a week, or maybe you've had for two weeks, to a game you've then been playing for the previous year. Because here's the thing, we've dogged on FIFA and it basically just being a palette swap, kind of, you know, she's got a new hat upgrade every year. But they did make some changes to FIFA 22. They added some new AI kind of like thingamies, some new animation cycles, some new styles, some new bits and pieces. And particularly if they're changing the AI, it means you're fighting against a new type of CPU player. So I'm I'm going to give Shells the benefit of the doubt of, uh, on that one. But I can see where Chrissy Toosticks is coming from because, you know, I was even watching the challenge back, even though we saw it being filmed. When I was watching it, I was going, shoot, shoot, because it's what you do. It's not even part of a challenge. It's a part of just football in general. You know, you backseat mm. game. It's part of being a fan of football, I believe. But no, no, I've never met a single football fan that has like seen someone do something on pitch and gone, well, I don't like that, but they must know what they're doing. Uh, yeah, no, I'd agree with you on that one. Like, I, I don't really know what to make of that challenge. I, I think Shells, it, it was an uphill struggle, like an uphill battle that could probably never be overcome. It's very comparable to the Call of Duty challenge, I think from episode one, which was that it's almost impossible to do. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, I give credit to him for trying, but, you know, as the lad said in the, uh, the crowd, no one plays on Legendary, even if they say they do. Our next bit of feedback comes from Rob Goblin, who said, What a strange year it has been. Who would have thought back in January that we would have three brand new episodes of Games Master talk about this year, and they'd be really bloody good too. I loved all three episodes for a variety of reasons. The main one is that they just felt like Games Master. I've no idea how to describe this feeling, but they had the charm and feel of the original show. Rap, Frankie and Ty were all incredible and had incredible chemistry. My only complaint is that Ty felt slightly underutilized. This was slightly rectified by him being featured more in the final episode, but I think his energy could be used much more. 
Obviously, he and the editors can only work with what the audience supply. So if the new series is commissioned, I would like to see Ty used in a slightly different role. Thanks again for the awesome podcast and see you, hopefully, at the live show, Rob Goblin from our Discord. I, I've seen a few people talk about Ty, actually, because like you know, you had Rab as the host, you had Frankie as the commentator, and Ty as the roving reporter. As Bert, we've mentioned it plenty of times in this podcast, and we saw it on the day. Some of the interviews got, he literally went up to a guy who said to him, don't ask me. Like that's, you can't work with that footage. So I think a lot of Ty's stuff ended up being cut because he did a lot on the day. He did a lot. He was, they did a bunch of filming with him when we were there, but it's all on the editing floor. And I don't think that's anything that's down on Ty. Uh, I don't think that's anything down to any one particular thing. It's just, it just didn't quite work out. I think with a larger crowd and a better sampling, Ty would have had more to work with. You know, you, you could have actually probably even had it so, you know, the challenge is over and they go to the bit where it's reset and you could actually just do a shout of like, okay, you know, who's played this game? That's exactly it. Like just beforehand. And then when you go live, you know who you're going to. That's but exactly it. The crowd was thin on the ground, you know, and that's not the production's fault. That's just to say it, it comes down to something that we'll address a bit later. But no, I agree. I would love to see Ty used more, but I don't think that's the production's fault. I don't think that's the editor's or the showrunner's fault or anything like that. I think it's just a case of they were working with what they had. I'm glad in that third episode that he both got Ty's Asylum and his challenge. In fact, if anything, maybe I'd have put Ty's Asylum in a different episode just to spread it out a bit. But then that means an episode would have been light on Frankie. It would have been difficult. It's a balancing act. Yeah, it comes down to the problem of actually trying to achieve everything in three episodes. Hopefully, going forward, you know, working on the best assumption that we get more, they know now what will work, what won't. They've got the feedback. They know which segments were well-received and which ones weren't so much. Yeah. David Thompson was next, said, Overall, I really enjoyed Series 8. I liked the hosts, with all of them being new faces to me. I thought the show was funny, even if the humour was different to the old series, which it kind of had to be. I'm not really a fan of the 45-minute length of each episode, as I think six 23-minute episodes would have been better, but that could just be me, as finding 45 solid minutes nowadays is a lot harder than when I was young. The alternative would be to just make each segment its own YouTube video. I think this would appeal to kids a lot more, as my kids can't stay focused for 45 minutes, but they can watch hours of five-minute videos. I know it was also on the E4 channel, but I don't really watch much TV anymore. I really hope there is further episodes or at least more content from this current crew. If it was up to me, I'd make a new Games Master YouTube channel, separate to the E4 channel, and just make more content like the colleagues or Educating Grado to keep it active. Then they can do a big challenge tapings over the course of a week and upload a new challenge video once a week. I don't know how you guys would cover that schedule, but I'm not sure if the TV show format really works nowadays. I mean, just to address the last point first if they just became a youtube channel we probably wouldn't cover it not because we don't we wouldn't want to but just because it would be it would be impossible and also a little weird to do podcasts on a 10 minute segment i yeah 100 you'd almost like group them all together what you'd end up doing is grouping them together like it was a tv show and reviewing that and there's part of me that agrees with david the 45 minute runtime is in it is intimidating and i remember like you we spoke to rab about this uh, in episode three and he said that he thought it was a you know a disastrous idea i mean i also agree with him that movies shouldn't be longer than 90 minutes and i i totally get it and i wonder if some of the episodes would like six episodes at 23 minutes would that have felt better than three episodes at 45 i don't really know unless i actually saw both and i could compare both and because we'll never be able to compare both of those options 
then we won't ever really know which works better. I will say I didn't I didn't hate the 45 minute thing though. And it was actually nice. Like I watch four TV shows, five TV shows maybe per year. I watch Taskmaster, watch MasterChef, Great British Menu, The Apprentice when it's on, and now Games Master. I've now got a fifth TV show that I can add to my list of things that I will watch. So it's actually quite nice for me to be able to like boot put on the telly box and, and watch something. You know, I mean I wasn't I didn't actually end up watching it live because I've got the kids to look after. You would have. I would have done. And watching it on all four, or you know, the option to watch it on all four the day after is is grand. So I actually if for me, I'd ditch the YouTube side of it and just make it a TV show. I, I, I get why they did it this way. And I think if they get another series, they'll probably do it this way again. And I think this format works as a TV show. It doesn't work as a YouTube show. YouTube audiences aren't built that way. The one thing we'll never see, but I would be fascinated to look at because this is you know my nerddom coming in, is what the audience retention was per video. I would be so interested to see because it's hard for a 45-minute video. I'm, you know, I do hour-long videos four times a week. I would be so interested to deep dive on those analytics and find out what audience retention was per video. I'm I'm with you on this one, actually. I think I get where they went with the social first thing. We've talked about it earlier already. I would go with TV as the primary, be it on all four, channel four, four music. Apparently, you don't have to have music to be on four music. It's like MTV. Very much like MTV. And then use YouTube to go viral, to build audiences, to put extra features, to put deleted footage, to put extended footage, like with Ties Asylum, there's an extended cut of that. Or with the uh, the Bouncing Bum Bums, the kids making the game, there's an extended cut of that. Absolutely, yeah. Regarding the concept of a Games Master YouTube channel, I would love that, but I think it would be a different crew. It would be... To use one of my favourite gaming YouTube channels outside Xbox, it's a group of three, four, five people. And they have different combinations and they cover different things. But they are essentially games journalists doing this stuff. And it just so happens they're also insanely charismatic on camera. I don't see how you could retain Frankie, Rab and Ty long term to do a YouTube channel. You might be able to get them in for like kind of maybe, as was mentioned, big tapings. But you'd need, you'd need the mid-carders. You know, if we're taking, taking wrestling as a thing, you've got your headliners, your Frankie, Rab and Ty, and then you've got your mid-carders, which would be the, the other people that kind of keep it ticking over. So you get one headline per month. But other than that, it's the mid-card. I get the issue of trying to find 45 minutes uh, because there's a lot of TV shows I'd like to watch that I don't. But I don't think this show format would have worked in 23 minutes. Then again, I don't think the old Games Master format works in 23 minutes. I mean, dear Lord, look at season three. I was going to say, if you did this as six 23-minute episodes, you would get two challenges an episode because each section of the show had a challenge and a feature. So if you kind of extrapolate that out, that'd be two challenges, two features. So do you want a show that is just two challenges or do you want to try and squeeze in a third one? In which case, you've got to cut down the time somewhere. You've got to cut down the time probably on the challenges because you're already cutting down the features as is. So probably is better at that 45 minute length. For me, the way I would do this is it's like you said, TV first, and then you have the segments as individual videos on E4's YouTube channel. So not the full 45 minute version, actually the challenges themselves as well, not just the features, but the challenges, the features, all loaded as individual videos up onto the YouTube channel. It's smaller digestible content than asking someone to sit down for 45 minutes. Because as I said, I reckon the audience retention for the episode is probably bobbins. I reckon it's a handful of minutes and then you lose it. Like it'll be a huge drop off. And I know because that's exactly what happens on our videos. Next up is DG. They're another resident of our Discord. 
And they had the following to say. Games Master Season 8, a season we never thought we would see, has come and gone, and what a season it was. This feels as close to a perfect season of Games Master as we're going to get. The bits they've taken from other UK video game shows, Games World, Elements of Danger with the Abyss, and Rab's own Consolvania for reviews and skits, gel well with the OG Games Master format. Never again, bar a commissioning for Series 8.2 slash Series 9, please and thank you Channel 4, are we going to get a perfect combination of Diamond, knows exactly what he's talking about and how to be a cheeky so-and-so with it with Rab Florence, and Moores has little clue what anything on the teleprompter means but is absolutely game for it with Sir Trevor MacDonald? The other hosts were well in their element. Frankie provided perfect commentary to contrast Rap's more eccentric moments and Ty, a perfect hype man and instrument of his own comeuppance, were all well within their element. And then there was big boy Barry and his little lad Larry. What a perfect way to do celebrity challenges with the small exception of the fact that appearing on a show to job to a 10-year-old who is very much his father's son might be a difficult proposition to make to some of the more stone-faced celebrities. I think they get it. We saw it in the original series. They're all on board. Maybe having a little more games world with the mix with a whole new generation of videators might be the cure to that ailment. And Grado, just... I. Even behind the scenes, you can tell everyone is having fun with this. The Games Master coast-to-coast skits showed the boys in the editing room knew what they had and they went for it. Be it the head, the owl, or that poor woman drowning in lava, no opportunity taken for a gag was wasted. They finish up by saying that they preferred their abyss victims giving it maximum, soon-to-be-melted welly. Not much the team could do if the unfortunates didn't do that on the night, but oh well. So that all said, would DG like a continuation? If it was more of this, absolutely. Will we get it? Well, realistically speaking, we're at a maybe right now. But if I can have one hope in a world with very little at the moment, it'll be in a future with more Games Master. I mean, I, I'd certainly enjoyed that sentiment. It, it's funny, isn't it? You and I started this podcast because it had an end point. You and I literally sat in a pub and said, God, you know what's brilliant about doing this as an idea for a podcast? It's got an end point. And now I'm sat here with a brand new series and I'm thinking, you could do this forever, really, couldn't you? If you could, if I just get keep getting new series, I quite happily do it. Because we, even when we sat in the pub, I think, I mean, this is going back and peeling back a very old curtain. We kind of worked out roughly where we'd be. Some of the kind of interim or extra content episodes we do, we immediately marked the gore special down as that will be our live show. And all of this was a case of if people listen, we'll do this. We didn't know if people would listen. And we also, right from, I think, series one, while we were recording, also started to float ideas of what do we do at the end? You know, what could we do? We start something completely from scratch and a number of different TV shows floated around, some of which have now been covered, some of which I think we could still do. Or is there a way that we continue this brand, this platform that we have created with gaming related content? Because we never thought there might be more Games Master. Yeah, it's a wild, wild thing to see. I think I'm going to slightly disagree with the the Games World videators bringing in a videator style thing. But that might just be because I've got no nostalgic connection to Games World and the videators. It would be difficult to establish that on a six to ten episode, whereas Games World was running like four days a week, X weeks a year, whatever. Yeah. But thank you for the feedback. Always appreciated. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's get into our second bit of audio feedback, which means it's time for the podcast within a podcast that is... Cliff and Matty doing a podcast on our podcast about this game show that we review on a podcast. Podcast. All right, Cliff. All right, Matty. So, uh, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, all right. Why, why, are there, why are there subtitles on a podcast? It doesn't, 
work in a podcast element? Well, I mean, it's it's clearly as a as a Welshman, uh, not many English people pre- will pretty much understand what I'm saying, uh, even though I haven't lived in Wales for nigh on 25 years now. Um, and uh, go, you know, well, yeah. Some people just need to be taught almost like a an education, as it were, Cliff, because this is uh, educating Cliff. We're not Scottish, though. No, no. I am sort of Celtish, though, so I think it counts. I think it counts. I think there's a cream for that. But anyway, Cliff, Cliff, listen. Have you ever heard of a show called um, a Games Master? Yeah, yeah, it was on years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Except, um, you know, I was just browsing on uh, YouTube and uh, and uh, it was back. Oh. Sometimes these shows, they come back, like uh, Doctor Who, The Crystal Maze, um, Clifford the Big Red Dog. You know, these things all come back. Um, what about Beatles about? Can Beatles about come back? Um, he's kind of dead, mate, and oh. so that might be hard. I mean, you might find some other kind of twat called Beedle, but you know, okay. I just I don't think you can recreate the magic there somehow, you know. But uh, you know, I digress. So, mm. so yeah, um, so Games Masters, um, so Games Masters back, and they 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 found a, a, the relevant Scotman, Scotsman required to uh, do this thing, and um, you know, the the impossible actually happened because did you know, Cliff? Did you know? Mm. Uh, when you double the length of anything, you you get like wonder where more, this is going. More more room to breathe, um, oh. and and as you go with with more length goes more enjoyment, you know, mm. and and uh, that's just the way things work here, you know. Dick jokes, and I think that w- when you have more people there, you have more of a almost a girth as well so i think with the different characters that you have for the the hosts i think it's definitely added more of a more of a feel to it you frankie absolutely fantastic such a knowledgeable individual on computer gaming then you had the raw energy of a tie and then you had the miserable git that we all are in a rab i think that the three of them together spectacular and let, we could break it down like one guy was pretty much the dominating force in all of this and of course other than the games master himself was rab he pretty much fulfilled the role of dom and dex to to a fine art and it's like everybody had a role to play you had a rab you had a frankie pretty much you know i'd say a much more fitting replacement over a a certain uh, bandana wearing out of touch uh, over 50 year old uh, that we shall not mention we will not name this over 50 year old bandana wearing man um but i think not she... jeremy beadle no 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 not jeremy beadle no okay. no no he's he's dead uh, oh. well, I don't know if you knew uh, uh, Jamie no. Beadle died uh, quite some time ago oh okay yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah one person that unfortunately isn't with us anymore is Patrick Moore and I tell you what Sir Trevor McDonald wow 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 incredible 
incredible choice for the games master i can't really add any more much more than that he we we all had our ideas over who could be the games master and i was emphatic that it had to be dom you know it was the ultimate mm. act of purgatory you live long enough to be the presenter long enough to become the games master yourself but i think trevor really did knock it out of the park and he said so many lines so many memorable lines like big up mum and of course, the old favourite, bollocks. <laughs> that old adage. Absolutely. I mean, we we we've been told we've got to keep this to ten minutes, and I'm looking at my little wave bar, and it's about we're halfway there now. Um, also, like I said, if we're talking about fulfilling roles, of course, Ty. I'd say he, for me personally, Ty was pretty much the sort of spare will. I'm trying to make it sound not nasty because it really isn't meant to be nasty. Frankie so, so had a role. Rab had a role. Obviously, the Games Master had a role. And then there's Ty, who for two episodes was basically the guy going around with a mic. But then it came full circle in episode three where you could challenge Ty. And that's when he came into his own. And even though spoilers, although why you're doing getting spoilers on the fourth part of a of a, a retrospective you're show, weird. why are you um, doing that to yourself? You know, even though he failed, he really did come into his own there. Um, if we do come into a series, probably have a little bit more tie. I say, I mean, the more tie, the merrier. I think in the first episode, his um, whole uh, his whole uh, bits with the what was the game called with these uh, swords, the beat, the beat game. Um, you know what one I mean. Uh, Beat Saber. Beat Saber. That was that was really good. I really enjoyed him in that, and I think that he he had his abyss, not his abyss, his asylum. Sorry, at the end, and I did enjoy that. I think that actually that didn't get enough time to really breathe. We only got about six seconds on the FIFA challenge. Um, so I, I think that yeah, more more tie. If it, this was to come back, more tie. What what was your favourite bit? The abyss. Every time the abyss, whether it was the the linking stuff with the games master talking to the contestants, to the whole flushing, I think you got you with this. You got two badges of honor now. You could either earn the golden joystick, or you can have so much fun pretending you to be in deadly peril. I would love to be one of the guys sent down to that fiery pit of hell. I would love that. I mean, the, the first couple where I, I think, um, <laughs> I, I can't remember who it was that went down and she sort of had the stuttery death. It was, uh, was it K-Pow? K-Pow? Yeah. Um, they went down beautifully and hit that love. Oh, it was just superb. Brilliant. And, and I just... forget her name, so I'll, I'll call her Cat Lady, but I think she had, like, the best presence out of all of them and she certainly mm. had the best death. Um mm. Uh, and I think we should really, really wrap this up with the guests. I mean, obviously, we're both going to say hand on heart, it's Grado. It's probably the best celebrity on the show. Who, who's Grado? Oh, some guy we're ta- making a mockery out of right now. Um, it's yourself. No. Um, yeah, I, I think, obviously, being a massive ICW nut, it has to be Grado. Yeah. Um, just, just just brilliant more or less all of the contestants and all of the celebrities basically 
they knew what they got into and they really played into it i love there was very little i had saying that what that guy was a bit crap um throughout these three episodes Let, let's end with just a one word to explain how we feel about games master hey uh i i, I could give it one word uh more sweaty meta isn't just the sponsor of the new series is it <laughs> it really isn't when we did this in series four when cliff and matty did this in series four cliff said to me it was originally 30 minutes you're lucky it's 20 um and when they were saying in the discord they were going to do the same thing again cliff said i've given us a hard timeline of 10 minutes we're not going any longer than 10 that was a fun little segment of educating cliff who, given his ties to the wrestling business, probably doesn't have as many concussions as Grado, but certainly may have at least one or two. Or maybe those just come from working in retail. I think he probably also needs educating as well because he's got terrible taste in game consoles. Waka waka. He said it, not me. I think the N64 is perfectly fine. Just not as good as the SNES. Probably not. <laughs> That's a level of committal that keeps this podcast going, Luke. <laughs> probably. Maybe. Pro- probably I don't not. Know. It's the cliff way, probably. Ish. But thank you for the feedback. Uh, The one thing I would just like to uh, pick up on is to do with Ty's Asylum. There were different cuts of every segment. There were cuts for the episode. There were cuts for social. There were cuts for different parts of social. The Twitter cut would be different to the Instagram cut, to the TikTok cut, to the YouTube cut, to whatever. I do agree that Ty's Asylum needed more time. Uh, I've yet to watch the YouTube version, but I hope it's longer and it gives us a bit more to work with. It must be longer because it's like eight and a half minutes and it wasn't eight minutes in the show. Hopefully there's more of the FIFA in there. That's what I reckon it probably is. I think there's probably more on the actual challenge side of thing itself. Um, you probably get to see a bit more of the meta quest. Yeah, actually, yeah, I mean, we won't, you know, give away everything that Emily says in the interview that we've got coming up later on. But like the Ties Asylum, Bum Bum Mouths and the Beat Saber challenge were specifically designed to be YouTube videos first that were then put into the episode they were designed to appeal to a youtube audience that were then put into the show so i, I totally you know the tires on one completely makes sense on that which is what i actually said in episode three so i'm glad that there are extended versions of those out there to watch because i do think actually i mean i thought the beat table one actually panned out quite well in the episode and in the youtube cut yeah especially because and i say this again there is no way to look cool playing vr you always look like a drunk man swatting a wasp in a telephone box that's just the way it is also just want to agree, K-Pow, best death. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. We're not doing awards. We're not doing best and worst. But K-Pow had the best death of anyone. Although, special notice, Ketchup had the best entering the chamber moment. Mm. All smiles and just as the door closes, passes hand over face and just goes stony. Misha's up next with his feedback. I've no idea how this is going to come out because he's bullet pointed it because sneakily completing this while at work. Don't worry, we won't tell. But anyway, Misha's notes on content. Perfect blend of old and new. It felt like Games Master, but updated. The love for the original shines through in every moment. Unlike the original Games Master, no celebs who are just there on the publicity grind. That is true. Concurs with other comments about the lack of promotion. Channel 4 could and should have done more. It's yourself. Grado was a revelation. But disappointed not to see the consultation zone, but stuff had to be cut and it was probably a sensible choice especially if Sir Trevor's studio time was limited. I don't think it's anything to do with Trevor's, Sir Trevor's time being limited. It's literally that it didn't work. And I, th- I think they tried it, it didn't work, so they cut it. Yeah, and, you know, I imagine not unselfishly, we recorded stuff for the consultation zone that ended up on the cutting room floor. Misha did as well. It would have been fun to see ourselves on TV like that. But hey, I think it was better for the show that it wasn't there. I actually think it's I think completely the right choice not to put it in. Notes from the filming. 
Ty didn't get flushed. I did misremember it then. You did. Man. You did. I was very tired. You, I mean, we were all tired. It was a long day. Uh, love those gatekeepers. More of a promotion required for the tickets. Could have done with more folks in the audience, even with restrictions. I'll, I'll be blunt. That was just down to time. Remember, mm. this entire thing happened in three months. Like, yeah. From first meeting to broadcast. If they'd had more time, they could have been promoted. They could have made tickets available earlier. People could have arranged. I mean, how many people on our Discord said, I'd love to be there, but I can't make arrangements at this short notice? Yeah. The recording session was hardcore. I guess it was the last day, so they had to get everything in the can. Joint Jones's point about no rap party because of that intensity of the recording definitely rings true. I remember the runners asking audience members what time their last train was so people didn't stay too long and wind up stranded. I made that same point that like, man, it was the last day and it overran. And I got messages from people being like, oh no, every day was like that. Like day one was like that. Day two was like that. And day three was like that. It's just technical problems are always going to get in the way of things. Have you ever been to a TV taping that's run to time though? Really? Well, no, absolutely not. No. Credit to uh, the production of this as well, because they, they'd done a deal with a taxi company because you couldn't walk to the location. You had to arrive there by car. So they got a deal with a taxi provider to take people back and forth to make sure that people got back in time for their trains. I actually thought they did a really good job of that. We didn't need to because we'd parked up in the in the car park, but everyone, everyone else, I thought I did a really good job of that. Misha also says that if we do get exclusive extras, as implied by the end of the E4 broadcast, it should include the consultation zone if they filmed Sir Trev responding to it. Maybe at UCP Live, you can tell us what you two recorded. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> got to have some air of mystery, Luke. We've got to, we've got to retain some suspense. Uh, I don't think they should put the consultation zone out at all. No. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter whether it's just an extra. And I'd say, if anything, it could, like, bad content could devalue what the show's achieved. And I would wager they probably realised fairly early on that it didn't work. So I don't think they, I don't think they filmed any responses to it. Because you were probably they were probably writing the responses ready for the stream, and they were like, "This doesn't work." It was also Misha's first time meeting Luke in real life, so that was nice. Got the shirt acknowledged, even if it didn't get properly on screen. Oh, well, that's the thing, mate. You got to work to get towards the front. It's because I was I was second round. You could barely see my cool worms T-shirt. The rampant speculation section. I'm hoping that even if the numbers aren't great, the demographics will be enough to justify more new games master. I don't think there's much crossover between Games Master and Made in Chelsea audiences. Probably true. Going back to our Rab interview, Kenny Omigo on Games Master, following in the footsteps of Macho Man, Jim Duggan and Buff Bagwell, maybe alongside Adam, I have a Twitch channel, Cole, guest commentator Excalibur, sign me up. Also, more Grado, please, but not actually competing in challenges. He's just VT Gold. He is absolutely VT Gold. Like, have that guy playing games in VT. Don't, don't send him to the Abyss or give him a golden joystick. He's perfect just the way he is. I do wonder, actually, if they do look at the viewing ages that tuned into Games Master and be like, yeah, this isn't really made free for. This should just go back onto regular old Channel 4, rather. Absolutely. And that's the thing is maybe because of the way they've done this, maybe what they're looking at is like, are we reaching an audience that don't normally watch some of our shows? To which the answer is yes. I can tell you that without seeing any of the data. Uh, And lastly, we have David Fisher here, who has got a bumper pack of feedback for us. He starts things off with the good. Overall, the season was a triumph. Even that classic Games Master feel was no mean feat, and they pulled it off brilliantly. Plenty of nods to the old show whilst trying to keep things fresh. The whole team should be commended for the clear love put into the show. All three hosts were utterly superb in their roles. Inclusion and diversity in the contestants, the greater segments were ace, although I'd be interested how the general audience feel about those segments as they did slow down the pace of the show. 
I do think they were the, probably the more diver, uh, divisive of the segments that uh, we saw from the feedback, you know, like looking at Twitter at the very least. I think even those that were down on them in episode one, they grew on them by episode three. I think once they got what it was, and particularly, let's be honest, that just tech base was a home run. Mm-hmm. I'd have almost led with that one. Dave continues, dare I say that Sir Trevis already as good as Patrick Moore ever was in the role. It certainly made the most out of the Games Master character with some brilliant one-liners. Best challenge, Mustard versus Ketchup, Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, on to the bad, however. The celebrity challenges were generally the low point for me. Whilst Little Lad Larry was great, if the show were to roll into a full series, I would like some more variety in how the celebrity challenges are handled because outside of the Mario Kart challenge, they weren't particularly memorable or competitive. The commentary was generally good, but it's where Dominic Diamond was most missed in my opinion. The FIFA challenge springs to mind. Dominic brought a special blend of enthusiasm, wit, and urgency to the commentary that wasn't as obvious here, and I think that would have taken the excitement to the next level, the worst challenge being the Celebrity Splatoon 2 challenge. And we end things off with the ugly. Oh, no, we don't. We uh, The penultimate, the ugly, lack of promotion, and the rollout was poor. I can't say it better than Cliff already has, but Channel 4 should be ashamed of themselves for the lack of promotion of this show, for throwing it to the air the way that they did. It was already going to struggle to find an audience the show deserves in the time slot, and they did the show zero favors with marketing or even making it clear that it was going to be air weekly at 7 p.m. each Sunday. Would it have been that hard to set a YouTube premiere up a few days beforehand to build anticipation and get those reminders out? If the most ardent Games Master fans are wondering at 7.03 on a Sunday night whether the show is going to be on that night, you've screwed up. If this show had a quarter of the attention that was warranted from Channel 4, I'd imagine we'd not only be celebrating the quality of the show, but some much better numbers for us, perhaps another series. I just actually had a completely random thought. YouTube premiere on Sunday, E4 broadcast on Wednesday. If you're going to insist on continuing to do that, flip it. E4, YouTube premiere on the Wednesday, E4, Sunday night. Sunday night is not the dead slot of television. You know, people watch television on Sunday. I I wonder, would it do better on E4 on a Sunday? Maybe at a slightly earlier time slot, you might have had to swap Mortal Kombat 11 for Injustice 2 as an example. Yeah, 10 p.m. is not a great time, is it? 9 p.m. 9 p.m. is about as late as I'd go, and that would still let you get post-Watershed. Exactly, yeah. yeah. 7 or 8 p.m. The only thing I think you couldn't put on the show would have been the Mortal Kombat challenge. Yeah. Uh, David continues here with the best this community. I loved each and every watch along and the chat during the episode. The general positivity and excitement around the show was a joy to behold. It's quite wonderful when you find others who share your passion and can be critical whilst not dumping all over it. Many communities should take note. The energy in the Discord has been an all-time high since the show began airing Series 8, and for that, I'm thankful. Let's hope Channel 4 give Games Master another crack of the whip so we can do this all over again. Special thanks to Ash and Luke for bringing us together and to Maddie being our watch-along ringleader. Thank you. See you in January for UCP Live. Big up, mum. Always super sexy, Dave Fisher. Yeah, uh, extra special thanks to Matty, as well as Sarah and Cliff, our moderators, for their general diligence and work and corralling of cats that they've done during these watch-alongs. But Matty, absolutely the ringleader of watch-alongs. He's got some big Riker energy going on there. (laughs) So let's now address the uh, sort of the collected points of feedback that we sort of um, took out from everyone, as I said, so as not to repeat points. And the first of those is more retro games, because this was all brand new games, or within at least the last five years, because Speedrunners is, is, you know, uh, not as brand new as Deathloop is. But there were no retro games on show whatsoever. And I think there's a pretty simple reason for that, and that's publishers. 
they don't want you to be showing their old stuff. They want to be showing the new stuff. I can do, complete the Terminator in 10 minutes. You want to do that as a challenge. I don't think you're going to be able to get Virgin Interactive to be able to sign off on something like that. It's much more complicated to get rights for things now than it might have been back in the 90s, especially when you don't have a show to use as an example. Because you look at Series 1 of Games Master. I mean, they had some big games, but they also had quite a few old games or obscure games. And then Series 2, things start to pick up a bit. Oh, hello, we're getting your Street Fighters, your Mortal Kombat's, your early access. Things are getting a bit sexier. Same problem here. It's like, well, we're rebooting the show called Games Master. Well, can you show us what it's going to look like? No. Yeah. Can you... Can you give us an example of other games that you featured as yet? No. And also, if you go along to a publisher and you say, hey, Sega, we'd like to do a Sonic 3 challenge. And Sega are like, okay, but Sonic Colors. I don't know that Sega actually did that, but essentially, most publishers are probably going to want you to show the newest version, but they're also going to want quite a degree of understanding of how their game is going to be portrayed. Is it going to be shown in a good light? Because it's amazing looking at the classic series, how they talked about some games that clearly, you know, they had received money to promote, but they got away with it because it was the 90s. We didn't know much better. Well, also, it went out on TV and someone might tape it but it didn't live forever on the internet. I think, you know, the way that publishers deal with games and game press now is just so wildly different to how it was in the 90s. Because of course it is. It's been 30 years, times change. So you aren't going to have that same degree of treatment around and same degree of relationship between people who make a TV show and people who are, you know, publishing these games. They're so much more stringent with the way that games can be sort of displayed and shown in this and the other. So you're always going to struggle to get something like a proper retro style challenge maybe that's something they can work on if they do get series nine and they are able to do it but i wouldn't hold out hope that there will be like retro challenges i would say that if we get more episodes they will have an easier job because they can hold up your mortal Kombat 11 they can hold up to a degree your speed runners they can show how fifa was shown and the main game was made to look good but also hard as nails they can hold up their tech in whatever and they can go this is what we do and if a publisher has a new sonic collection coming out or a publisher has a new castlevania collection coming out they can play the retro games but on the new platform yeah hey last episode the evercade versus that's the way to do it that's a way to highlight retro games with a new platform and a new audience. So way back in August, when we had our first conversation with Kian, and we talked, we kind of, we just shot the shit for an hour, basically. The subject of games did come up, and there was the general burble amongst all three of us that, like, not just new games, games from all eras. Yeah, almost in a, almost in a go 8-bit style way. Yeah. Now, that pushback could come from the publishers. It could come from the higher-ups at Channel 4. We don't know. Maybe Channel 4 are like, but this is a new show, so we want new games. It could be any combination of those things. Could be the fact that the pro players you've got are pro players at certain types of games and not those retro titles. Yeah, absolutely. But with more episodes comes more exposure, comes a broader audience, comes a broader pool of competitors, and hopefully comes more power with the publishers. Because here's the thing, Games Master is on broadcast television. No one else is promoting games on broadcast television right now. You might buy an advert if you're a big AAA title, but unless you're like kind of a runaway hit like Untitled Goose Game that might get featured like on a This Morning segment or something like that, or on a kid's show, you're not, you're not, you're not getting that massive exposure. I think there's a lot of moving parts to it as opposed to what I think a lot of people just sort of wrote online was just like, 
there should be retro games do the retro games i think there's there's much more moving parts to it now this is the second point here is one that i actually didn't pick up on which is sort of the console setup pop-ups and notifications and things like that like i yeah i didn't pick up on that what at all i saw it in like in one of the the bits of feedback there that you saw like like xbox live notifications coming up or and this and the other but yeah completely missed past me I didn't notice it the first time, but then I did notice it on repeat viewings. And part of the reason I didn't notice it is because I'm so used to ignoring them on my own goddamn console. I think some of this comes down to this entire show was filmed in three days. We know from our own phones, there wasn't much in the way of internet signal up there. It was, it was a bit of a black hole up in the pump, up in the power station. When we were taken on the tour of the set, we were told, if you touch our consoles, we will kick you in the face because people would come in and fiddle with the consoles and mess with the settings. And it made their life difficult because video game consoles are fine to stream. You can stream to Twitch for most of them internally now, or you can run them through a capture card on a PC and that's fine. So they're kind of ready to broadcast, but they're not ready to broadcast. These things are not designed to be captured for a television broadcast. So they were making a lot of this stuff up as we went along. In fact, when we were there on the day, they just worked out literally how to fix an issue that was otherwise going to stop them doing a challenge. It was Splatoon 2, wasn't it? Because Splatoon yeah. 2 doesn't have split-screen local multiplayer. Yeah, they, they'd worked out a way to do it that was, to be honest, freaking genius. I was dead impressed with what they came up with. Because also, they don't just have a bottomless pit of money and resources. If they were in a studio, they could probably go into tech stores and find the bits and pieces. But no, they were on location and they had what they had. So I think pop-up and notifications, that's something that will come with time. I mean, again, to go back to the old Games Master, there were plenty of cock-ups in the old Games Master. There were controllers randomly changing from joysticks to joypads. There were captions wrong. There were lots of things that happened because of time and available resources. Now, regarding the game selection in general, we had some feedback that said game selection was obvious, which I don't know I'd agree with. FIFA's obvious. Street Fighter's obvious. Tekken's obvious. Speedrunners. Exactly, yeah. The, the, the mech game that um uh, that Larry was playing in episode two. Like, I don't know if I would say that it's obvious, but also, like, yeah, I mean, those are the AAA titles, right? I'm unsurprised by the choice, but I'm also not... I didn't think it's an obvious choice. It's just that's the, what games look like these days. And also the games they could get in the time available. And also games that, that lend themselves to challenges. You know, a lot of these games that you get now are these sort of 40, 50 hour sprawling worlds. That's not really challenge conducive. So you have to pick sort of smartly within that. So yeah, so I, I, I think I do disagree with that one. But yeah, I think a lot of the challenges that we could have seen that we didn't see all comes down to games, whether they were available, whether they could get them cleared by either the publisher, by the production company, by Channel 4, by whatever. So hopefully with more episodes, they will have both more resources, more hardware, more games available to them, because also they can go, they can do a show reel now, they can do a pitch reel, they can go to EA, they can go to Microsoft, they can go to Sony, they can go to the big N. But I think the last point we've got here, and it's one that was echoed in our feedback and also the most common gripe on Twitter, influencers, content creators, YouTubers and Twitch streamers as the majority of the contestants, and also tying into that, the lack of audience. And really, I think, and I think you'd agree with me on this, that this all comes down to one simple fact, time. Yeah, I also think as well, you know, we kind of talked about this being, it's not just series eight, it's a, a potential, you know, people have called this a three episode pilot, you know, 
and if you, you are going to have a three episode pilot, you want to put the best content out forward. You want to put the best foot forward. You know, having some big name Twitch streamers. Also, like I think from an internal marketing thing, it's the one that makes the most sense. Because if you've got someone who's got 115,000 followers on Twitter and you put them on the TV show that's not in the celebrity challenge and they're then tweeting out about that being like, hey, watch me on Games Master. It's on YouTube. People can get like their 115,000 followers. A portion of those are going to go watch them. If you have four of those on an episode, then that's more eyes you can try and get onto this. Your complaint that you've made about the sort of scrubby nature of Street Fighter V was the two people who weren't the pro players. So I I totally get why they did it this way. I think it's the mo- it's the most logical and sensible choice for it. But I do agree that when you get into series nine a balance of that would be really good because we know that they did do auditions for regular folks. Uresco had an audition, but it didn't go any further than that. I think clearly because a decision was made that we'll just stick mostly with pro players. Apart from, we'll get these two lads in because they've got a good story here of buying the season ticket. I mean, also the other thing with influencers, streamers, content creators, YouTubers, they know how to work a camera. They know how to talk. They know how to sell themselves. They know how to big themselves up without, you know, necessarily being braggarty or obnoxious. And also they've got characters, they've got personas. How many episodes have we just had mumbling shoegazers? Yeah. Until we get to series four. And what happened in series four, Luke? Well, most of them were actors. Yeah, or or kind of were going to a talent school or similar. I mean, they still obviously played the games, but hey, guess what? They started to bring performers in and suddenly the confidence level went up. The kids were a bit more kind of like cocky, a bit more sure of themselves, started getting into fights over someone's girlfriend, stuff like that. And I think either people don't know or forget that is Games Master has, as much as it could, always kind of like curated its contestants and always kind of gone for those that have personalities. And when you are operating on as tight a deadline as they were for this this comeback, don't take risks. Getting Abs and Ash in was a risk. Getting Christian in was a risk, but it was worth the gamble in those two cases because there was a story to be told. And the one thing you can say is you look at all the contestants on this comeback, all of them knew how to behave in front of a camera. And in the case of Abs and Ash and Christian, it was their natural charm and personality. But with the others, it's because it's part of their job. And with that also comes availability. If they're full-time content creators, full-time streamers, full-time YouTubers, they don't necessarily have to take a day off of the office to get there. At short notice. At short notice. And again, this was filmed over three days with, as we've learned from our interviews, very little notice for some of the challenges. And my last point, and maybe this is what either some people don't take into account. If you are a gamer and you have a console, a PC, a switch, a handheld, some form of gaming device, and you're good, there's a chance you have a presence on social media or streaming. How many active Twitch streamers do you think there were as of around the middle of this year, Luke? Like active Twitch streamers? I don't know, blues clue. I, I, I think I've been to Twitch once in my life. Well, according to the statistics sites I looked at, there were 8 million active Twitch accounts as of July this year. It's a big number. That's a lot of people. So you are probably going to struggle to find a good gamer nowadays, one that's confident, one that's good in front of the camera, that doesn't have some sort of social media, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, some sort of social presence. It kind of comes with the territory. You don't even need a PC. You can stream to Twitch straight from your PlayStation, straight from your Xbox. 
you know, if you can even buy standalone boxes if you don't have that functionality built in that will allow you to just stream straight away. So I get people want like average players, kind of like regular people. But I would argue that nowadays the majority of the people that are going to step forward and go for a new series of Games Master, even with more lead time, are going to be people that are already on some level creating content. I, I just, you know, I, I'm not saying that people that want regular players are wrong. I'm just saying that the landscape is different. The, the final thing I would say on it as well is that this is a series. This is series eight. We don't know. It may be the final uh, appearance of Games Master we ever get. But the other way to look at it is that it's a pitch. This is a three episode pilot of what a show could look like should they get a full a full run. So, yeah, I, I just think it was it, it's putting your best foot forward, getting big names out there so you can get as many eyes onto the product as possible. In, in the wrestling world, it's putting the belt on Jericho first time round. Your first world champion being Chris Jericho, he's the biggest name you had. And that's going to get you the most eyes on the product. So I, I get it from that aspect of it as well. Who knows what will happen should we get another series, whether there will be a bit more of a mix, a bit more of a balance. Maybe it'll just be more content creators. We don't know. But I think we can cross that bridge when we get to it. I mean, let, let's just put it out there. During one of our calls, we were asked. Yeah, we, we talked. Did we talk about some non-control nation or was it just... We did. Oh, I don't we did, think we yeah. ever talked about it on the public feed, but we were asked if we were interested in coming down and doing a challenge. Yeah. Now, part of my brain is like, we're just regular gamers. But also, Luke, we're talking into broadcast quality microphones and recording a podcast. Yeah. So we're not. It, it, it's a, yeah, I, I think it's a tricky balance. So I can understand people's complaints. I, I think it's also a difficult one because the term content creator, it's kind of a new occupation, really. It's it's trying to fit something into a box. Mm-hmm. It's it's, try, it's trying to yeah, it's trying to pigeonhole what people do because you need a job description. You need something to put on your CV. What am I? I'm a content creator. Both of us could put content creator on our CV, even without your day job, just for this. I in fact think that is what's on my marriage certificate. What content creator? I, I'd literally only just started working at WrestleTalk at that point, and I didn't have a job title. And they said, what do you do? And I said, well, I make videos on YouTube. And then she was like, okay, I can't put YouTube down because that's a company name. I'll put down content creator. And I was like, I guess that works. <laughs> You're lucky they didn't just go unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think what we should probably do now is, is go into our, uh, our final interview for Series 8. And what an interview this is to end off on. Please welcome to Under Consultation, series producer of Games Master Series 8, Emily Smith. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually really excited. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Do you know what? We've never done an interview where someone has said, I'm excited to be here. So really? that, that's, an, that's a thrilling start to this. I've listened to, well, I listened to your first one that you did after the first show. And I just thought it was such a celebration of everything Games Master. And of course, I'm at the stage now where I'm having to sort of let it go a little bit. I'm moving on as my contracts ended so i'm just quite excited just to talk about how it all happened and all the lovely stuff about it and just get to relive it for just another couple of hours i remember when you said that you know you'd listened to that episode and i i think i said to lucas i'm like i didn't listen to that episode that's nearly three hours long <laughs> <laughs> i had to edit it 
once I was done with the edit, I'm never going to listen to that episode again. I've heard myself talk far too much. But yeah, well done for making it through nearly three hours of, of, of us waffling on and just kind of picking apart your life, basically. I was actually really looking forward to hearing it because you had ketchup and mustard on and you had Frankie on. And I was just really interested in hearing their points of view as well, because my one of my main concerns on something like this is that everybody involved had a positive experience. Obviously, I bring everybody afterwards and they're all like, yeah, I had an amazing time and things like that. But you're never quite sure. So it was lovely to hear them go away and talk about their experience, honestly, and with, again, a, f- a feel of celebration about it. I had a few hours. I was in the gym, did it whilst I was doing my stretching. You know, you can listen to other things at that time, kept me going. What is your what's your origin story within TV? So my origin story is very much um, studio entertainment reality, that very shiny floor panel show comedy side of things. And then there's a little bit of video games sprinkled within that. So it's very much where I came in because, as you know, Kean comes from a scripted comedy side. Studio and entertainment aren't his his world necessarily. And he also comes from a director background, whereas I come from a studio entertainment and producer background. So the two of us coming together was like the perfect match uh, for us to balance one another. So I started off did running and things on shows like Pointless back in the day. A few quiz shows here and there. And then coming up, I was an AP on Go 8-Bit. I was also an AP on another Channel 4 video game show that perhaps didn't do very well. And then uh, since then, I've been a producer on, recently on a show called Tonight with Target. Just been nominated for a broadcast award. Very exciting. And it's all that sort of non-scripted TV. And then, of course, I love video games which is why I've ended up doing shows like Go Eat Bit and Rob Beckett's Playing for Time and then Games Master because I'm one of the few people in TV who's got the experience of proper studio entertainment television and video games. And I'm a woman, and that's really rare. So <laughs> that uh, is sort of my history within all of that, which is how I came to be on Games Master. It's all the pieces came together that once Kean was on board, it was like, oh God, we need this person to fill this gap. And they found me and then he and I started off we started finding a team from there what's your uh, gaming history like what was your first console that you had so my first console well I had a Game Boy Color Pokemon was my heart and soul I'm gonna give away my age very soon through all of this (laughs) but I was a massive Pokemon fan I used to sort of lie in bed Uh, I had a poster of the first 151 posts of Pokemon on my wall I could name them all in order because I'd lie in bed learning them all (laughs) And that was like my absolute obsession. Then I got a PS2 and I couldn't be separated from that. So do you remember the Spider-Man game where you had to deliver pizzas to people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Loved that game. And I'm a massive, massive Kingdom Hearts fan. The reason I still keep my PS2 is because I like going back and playing the original Kingdom Hearts on my, my PlayStation 2. Of course, I've got my PlayStation 4 where I have the most recent Kingdom Hearts. I loved it. I know not everybody's a complete fan, but I loved it. Um, <laughs> gave me what I wanted. I got Disney and Final Fantasy together. What more could I possibly want? <laughs> and then I've just always consistently been a gamer. And like nowadays for me, it's things like The Last of Us. I think that's one of the best games ever. I got completely obsessed with The Last of Us 2. So that brought together two of my interests in love video games. I'm also quite a competitive CrossFit athlete. And one of the main characters in The Last of Us 2 was based on the body of a female CrossFit athlete. So, which is why she had the slightly more muscular, masculine body. Um, and then she received quite a lot of body hate 
online. And so it brought two of the things that I, I'm really interested in and try and balance in life together. So I kind of got more obsessed with the game because of all that political debate going on around it. And it made me sort of double down a lot more on how much I love that series because they're doing things that I agree with. But on video games, yeah, PlayStation through and through, I had a dark relapse into Pokemon Go. That was quite an obsessive time for me. I think I was the last person left playing. And there's lots of WhatsApp groups for the raid groups. And I would be someone who met up with strangers online um, to, <laughs> to then meet them and raid to get legendary Pokemon all around London. I think they were quite surprised when I turned up and was like, hey, be my friend. Do you want to catch a Pokemon with me? Um, <laughs> Pokemon has definitely been a huge part of my gaming life. And then I'm a big Nintendo Switch fan. I did wait to get the special Pokemon edition of the Nintendo Switch. So I've got the little one with Pikachu and Eevee on the side. Mm. So I could replay all the new versions of the original game on there. But then I love things like Overcooked and those kind of just fun party games. When I'm not playing my big open world Uncharted, we'll come on to the Arkham series at some point. That that got me for a long time. And that's still one I go back and replay now. There's they dropped the pack, the whole pack on the new PlayStation Store and things like that. So anything like that that's big, story, action, role play, I get to pretend to be Batman. <laughs> yeah. I suppose the big question we should really be asking then is, do you still know the Pokey rap? I don't still know the Pokey rap, <laughs> but I think that's like been suppressed a little bit. And I was trying to rename, you know, and just sort of walking along the road and you're doing your internal monologue. I was trying to start doing the Pokemon in order again, and I couldn't couldn't do it. I was, I was I had a rough idea, but I was like, oh, is it definitely Bulbasaur that starts us off? So I need to go back and do that again i think now i've got some time off i've worked out what i'm gonna be doing <laughs> a project for the christmas season oh it will be yeah, exactly it, it will be in my very grown-up adult life <laughs> <laughs> i'm not one to talk i mean I, have you, I mean audio listeners can't see this of course but if you look at the background that i'm on where i'm on my uh, my work set i'm pushing 40 but i'm surrounded by action figures of wrestlers Love that. and and other wrestling paraphernalia. So I'm, I'm not one to talk at all. I mean, I'm over 40 and I've got a Doctor Who Sonic screwdriver Love here. That. I've got a PS3, Dreamcast, Sega Saturn, and then I've got the latest. And I, I've basically got a tower of gaming behind me. Love so that. yeah, I am, I am. I mean, technically, yeah, I am the Games Master Target audience. I'm a 40-year-old man-child. There we go. Yeah, exactly. I will share with you the nerdiest. Well, I've got quite a few nerdy things on the shelf behind me. First of all, my hand-painted picture of the Hulk that um, I had a previous Marvel artist paint for me but probably my nerdiest one or my weirdest one i'm not sure listeners won't be able to see so i'm going to describe it for you instead this is a painting of my dog buffy but as <laughs> buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> it is my dog's face but on the body um of a very classic buffy the vampire slayer outfit holding a stake so i'm single <laughs> 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 I think as, as was said on uh, episode three of series eight, we're amongst Frankie's people. We are. We are. <laughs> so that's why Games Master credentials and why they wanted me on board. <laughs> <laughs> we also noticed that you have both from your CV and your mug uh, mm. connection to Go 8-Bit. I do. 
did your involvement with Go 8-Bit play anything at all into your involvement in Games Master? I mean, how did you come to be involved in Go 8-Bit in the first place, I suppose? So I came to be involved in Go 8-Bit um, very early on. So this is a very long time ago. I was researcher on the first series of Go 8-Bit. And then for series two and three of Go 8-Bit, I came back as associate producer. And I don't know if you know much about the production of Go 8-Bit, but as for the video game production, it was quite an intense and busy production. So... I did a lot of work on that. And then I think, yes, my video games history on Go 8-Bit did come into play for my role on Games Master because it is such a unique experience to have within the TV industry. You have a certain set of people who can do studio entertainment, but you don't have... I think I'm one of the very, very, very few people who've done video games and studio entertainment. And those were two big areas that really needed someone to oversee. So I think my experience on Great Bit did come into play in my name coming up as the person for the job. And there has been a lot of knowledge from Great Bit I've brought onto Games Master because I think the TV industry is always a little bit surprised by what's involved in making a video game TV show. But I'd say, and this is really interesting, because it comes up a lot on Twitter where people compare Go 8-Bit and Games Master. And I'm actually quite surprised about it a lot of the time, because to me, they're very different shows. Yes, they're on the same subject matter, but there's quite different genres of television to me. Go 8-Bit is a studio panel show. Games Master is more of a sort of quiz challenge show. So they're very different formats. They just both involve video games. It's like, never mind the Buzzcocks is a music panel show. And the hit list, which that Rochelle Humes won on, I think it's on the BBC, I'm not sure, is a music quiz show. They're both about music, but you wouldn't say they're necessarily comparable shows because they make different bookings and they have a different purpose to them. So I always find it such a fascinating comparison where like, oh, I bring back Go 8-Bit. I think it's better. So I did see that as a tweet and great, bring it back. That keeps me employed. But I don't think they're two shows that necessarily need much comparison because they might have some of the same audience from a video game perspective, but in TV tastes that made with a different intention in mind. I think there's something that speaks there outside of like media or television production, the need for humanity to pigeonhole something. And it's like, well, mm. Go 8-Bit was video games and television. Games Master is video games and television. So we've got to put them together. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that points out that there's just not enough video game TV shows out there that we feel the need to cluster them together. Because maybe the reason we don't cluster the example of music shows is because there's a wealth of them. So we're just our brains aren't conditioned to think that we should be clustering them all together. We can see them as very individual things. Whereas video games are like, oh, this is new cluster all together. I certainly think from like a viewer's perspective, I, I mean, I know this from like some friends of mine when Go 8-Bit came back on were like, I've missed Games Master since it finished in 98. And this is now sort of filling that void mm. of I've wanted to see video games on TV because I haven't seen it since the late 90s. And now I'm getting it. So I, I think that's where sort of people tend to sort of connect the dots a little bit. Yeah, and I totally understand that. And if we could give video gamers that little, that little hit of video games on TV they needed, great. I'm really happy we did that. But I think it's a shame if one is used to tear the other one down yeah. when they're both trying to fill that, that hole for an audience that should be catered for. So as a video game fan, mm. um, did you were uh, a fan of Games Master when it was originally on? I might not have been alive. So, and I think that was actually one of my own only hesitancies in all of this is I know that there's a huge respect 
to be given to Games Master because of what it means to people. And I was aware of it, but of course I didn't watch it then because it would have been quite difficult for me to do so. So whilst when it was first mentioned to me, I was like, oh yeah, I know what that is because I've been in the video games world and you can't do a series of great bit without Games Master having been referenced. But then I wanted to make sure that I then went and was slightly humble in what I was doing to make sure that I was respecting something that was such a huge part of someone else's childhood. Because if someone came in and slaughtered Power Rangers for me, I'd be really upset. I mean, if... <laughs> they have, haven't they? I just... Yeah, they really have. Yeah. <laughs> I just refuse Many to Many times engage. over. <laughs> but it's okay. There's a new new film and TV series for next year. I'm living in ignorance. It's okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I know casting on Games Master was something that also did come up on social media. Uh, people believing it's quite a political statement. And I think that's a really interesting one because to me, it wasn't a political statement. It's just, um, this is the way the world is now. And across all of the shows I do, I don't believe in the attitude of, oh, it's really hard to get representation into your shows. It's not. This is what the real world is. So you, you just need to go out there and talk to people and you'll have representation on your show incredibly quickly. And that was my approach to Games Master. And we had an incredible casting team. Like it's one of the main things I'd love to get across about Games Master, that it it took a team who gave their souls to make this show and did incredible some of the best work I've ever seen. And I'm so unbelievably proud of my team and one of the main things I'm proud of them for is the casting because they created a show that was truly representative of all the different kinds of people that are in gaming nowadays. Because the beauty of gaming is that we are often the people who have felt other in life for whatever reason. We found our home in gaming and our safe place in gaming often as kids and teenagers because we were in some way felt that we perhaps had been discriminated against in some way or didn't feel included in what society viewed as norms in some way. So, of course, gaming has some amazing representation. And so that should be brought onto Games Master for us all to come together and celebrate that, hey, maybe life didn't necessarily accept us as we wanted to, but then video games made us really happy and we all just want to recognise that we have that thing in common. I love that. It's one of the things, actually, I mean, you mentioned that, and, I, and Ash mentioned this in the uh, first episode we did of, of Series mm. 8, where it was like, you know, because I, I mentioned this, it's very it's a very E4 show, in mm. a way, in terms of like the representation that it's got. And it's one of the things I love about E4 and Channel 4 in particular. They've been very much at the forefront of trying to make sure that there is more diversity within their shows. And I, I, mm. I very much applaud them for that. And Ash kind of, you know, corrected me in a way to be like, it's just the way this is what 2021 looks like. Yeah. And I think that's really wonderful. You know, you go back and we've done... In nearly 80 episodes of the original series of Games Master for the podcast. And there have been times where it's made us feel pretty uncomfortable with things. And a lot of our listeners have felt the same way on our Discord as well. When certain commentators would be like, I don't know why girls are playing games. Never, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't allow girls to play games. Never bet on a girl playing a game. And I'm listening to it now and you're like, fucking hell, like I can't believe this was on TV, like mm-hmm. let alone, you know, said, said out loud. So it is going, one of the things I think is so great actually about this new series was the incredible diverse cast of people. It, it was genuinely, it's, it's so nice to see that like it is a show that's embracing that. Yeah, I, I mean, I felt really quite emotional watching Dean open Series 8 of Games Master because it, that's just such a, a, a moment that is 
someone who's not only an incredible gamer, but represents something that is so important to the modern day. And also, really love a person. Love them so much. And they looked so striking coming through those doors. And I was in the gallery, so I had the jib shot. Um, In the gallery, you have lots and lots and lots of different screens. So I can see everything. I can see what all the cameras are doing at that time. So I could see it differently to how you guys probably saw it in the studio at that time. And I've probably seen shots that didn't make it into the edit. And the whole thing was just so powerful. And I think for a show like Games Master that means so much to so many people, it was quite a touching moment to have that as our first challenge of Series 8. Not only because it was also a phenomenal gaming challenge. Like, it's a classic speedrun. Like, as you guys touched upon, like, we mirrored a lot of things there. So not only for the challenge, but the whole package of it was like, let's go. This is modern day Games Master. We're gamers now. And we've got something to celebrate. Here's the thing. I'm north of 40. I'm a white man. I've got a beard and a ponytail. I am exactly the sort of market that should have probably hated Season 8 of Games Master. <laughs> and I absolutely didn't. When I saw Shanghai come out, I wasn't like, oh, a POC, oh, non-binary. Oh, it's not me. I was just like, this person looks fucking badass. I want to steal their badges. That oh, was that my jacket. first thought. Jackie was incredible. Uh, the way... I personally view it across the series as well is people are just people. And so actually one of the main things that we ordered the show challenges on was the challenges. It was what's going to be the best challenge itself to open the episode. What's going to be the best challenge itself to close the episode. So any sort of accusations of something being political, while yes, it felt morally right the way we cast the show. And was it absolutely what, what we asked the team to do is to make sure it's representative and i'm very keen to often to use the word representative of gaming the challenges themselves have to be incredible and that's why ketchup and mustard closed that episode because that challenge was freaking incredible and that's why dean opened the episode because again it was incredible and same reason that k opened episode two I mean, that was a great way to, to open that episode. And there's lots of reasons why you order episodes. That's why there's often a reason why we put the celebrity challenge in the middle, because it's exciting to come back to for part two or part three when you see that being teased. So I'm, I'm not saying that representation was the main reason for opening the series like that, but it made me feel very emotional for that to be the way that we opened the series. It was something I strongly believe in. So there's a lot to be said in TV where you get to do something that feels like you're living by your morals as well. So when we spoke to Kian right mm. at the beginning of Series 8 in the build-up to it launching, mm. he gave us a rundown on how he came to the show, his role as a showrunner. Can you describe what your role is as a series producer? Can you describe that what you brought to the table? So I came in as someone with video game experience and producing experience. Keen came in as someone from scripted comedy and director side of things. So that actually means we both cover quite different areas. So we both oversee the entirety of the production and making sure things are consistent within the production. However, if I'm just going into what my role is, my role um, was often more overseeing the general day-to-day of the team. I do a lot of the stuff where, uh, say, the team have put together a group of contestants they would love to come on the show. 
they'd often then come to me and discuss them with me, refine the stories with me. And then we go, okay, these are the ones that we're going to now go and discuss with uh, the execs. I do a lot of managing the workflow and things like that. I do a lot of, basically, I cover a bit of everything and I end up being a little bit of um, a filter at the top where this wonderful, amazing team had often come with all this amazing stuff and then I refine it a little bit. And then I also did a lot of the writing, which again is shared across Grab, Frankie, all sorts of people. Everybody gets in the writer's room and gets involved in things like that. It's one of those things that as a series producer, you do so many things. It's quite difficult to go, I did this, I did this without reading you my CV. But basically, I'd say the best way of saying it is you oversee the production as a whole and you have to be involved in both the creative and the more functional side of the production. Uh, which is often the side that we don't like talking about um, because it is things like the legal side of things. I do have to go and check everything with lawyers the whole time and things like that. So that I do a lot of, of that side of things whilst also coming up with a lot of the ideas, doing quite a lot of writing and those kind of aspects of the production. So that's often what, where a producer has to do a little bit of things in both ways. And then, of course, I was still in the edit, so I did a lot of the edit and things like that. So Keen and I end up overlapping quite a lot uh, which is a good thing. And so what I think I brought to that was my huge amount of studio experience. Studio, it looks like it should be the easiest thing in the world. You're set up with like hundreds of people there who are incredibly skilled. You've got the lighting guy who's been doing lighting for 20 odd years. He knows exactly what he's doing. And, you know, these studio crews, I see them every single studio show. So they're incredible, incredible crew. But studio is actually quite a tricky beast because you've got that time to get everything you need and you're not filming over a series of weeks and months and reshoots and all of that kind of thing. You've got to do it now and none of it that you're scripted. But I don't know what Em and Gabby are going to come in and say. I know that my researchers have spoken to them on the phone and told me what I think they're going to say, but they could come in and they could set my whole studio on fire and I don't know. <laughs> So that's where studio is quite difficult because it's quite unpredictable. So I think that's where my certain skill set came in is I've done so much studio. I can run a studio with my eyes closed. So I knew what was going to be involved in making a studio show and how to get the best content out of that aspect of it. And then to be able to run, manage the actual studio day. So, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time that you and Keen have worked together. Yeah. Right? So, like, how was it working with him and how was it, like, you two collaborating together? You know what? It's actually quite interesting because we're from such different worlds. Yes, comedy. We both have comedy sentiment and we ultimately, we just get really get along. So, uh, our humours do very well together. Um, but we're just different different TV worlds. So there was a lot of having to, to mash those together and find a way of making sure that we could bring some of the more scripted sentiment over while still working within the boundaries of the show we were making. I think that's quite exciting in a way. And I think that's why actually we ended up with quite a, an interesting show because we weren't doing things according to the way that they should be done in either world. It was like, oh, it's taking this little bit from this world and this little bit from this world. And they both work together where you wouldn't usually expect them to work. There were some risks taken there. I think the downfall of studio shows is sometimes the VTs. And hey, people may have hated the VTs. Everyone's got their opinion on the show. 
But I think, in my personal opinion, I was really proud of the VTs we made because in a lot of shows that are studio first, the VTs often feel like a little bit of an afterthought. You know, you have to get out of studio for a couple of minutes. So they've done a little VT about the host going off and doing something funny, but it's not as given as much love as the studio show itself. Whereas I think because of Ian's background in the more scripted comedy world, the VTs got the appropriate amount of love they should have got. So we made better VTs as a result of that. So it actually meant for once you got what was primarily a studio show with quite a nice balance between um, the efforts given to, to VT and studio aspects. I loved those VTs. Really loved them. You may have seen my hand in a little one about uh, female body armour. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember if you made it into the edit or not, but I think I remember, I'm like, there's some people this feature's going to upset. Good. It's quite an interesting one because we were quite careful with it at first. We didn't go as hard with it as we originally could have done. And then I sat down and then spent some time writing the uh, the one about female body armor and then later consulting with Frankie about it to make sure that it worked for both of us. And it was nice to actually be able to go a little bit harder on it than we thought we'd be able to do. And yes, there's risks associated with that because it's going to wind more people up and all sorts. But it felt good to have something that was written for female gamers by female gamers about the kind of things that do upset us a little bit. Yes, and I touched upon the objectification in the writing of that and how it's just not practical. What I didn't go hard on, and I think this is something that it's just too dark, doesn't need to go in, is the female body image aspect of it. Because I know as a kid growing up, I having loved video games when I would see these bodies of these wonderful, beautiful, curvaceous, but skinny in all the right places bodies. That made me feel shitty about my body. <laughs> and so it being able to just mention that there are issues that come up by having these female characters, not only in objectification, but in how female gamers then see themselves. It's quite nice to be able to at least touch on some of that, even if it wasn't appropriate for the show to be able to touch on all of that. Because I think it's something, it's a conversation that does need to be heard a little bit more within the industry. Which is why I said earlier, I really loved that in The Last of Us 2, there was a character that had a more muscular female body. So it's like, lovely. That's realistic and something else other women can relate to. But yes, Keen and I working together, it was, it was just a lovely mesh of two, two different worlds. So not to say that um, we don't always agree on everything. We have had disagreements. But again, I think that's the beauty of our creative relationship is that because we do very much respect each other's creative opinion, that means we can disagree with each other sometimes. And that's, I think, actually led to um, the show being even better because we've been willing to say no to one another. Um, and I think ultimately you don't actually say no to people you don't respect so it's been best for the show that it's been two very different people from different experiences who are leading the charge now you touched upon kind of like the mixture of studio and vts and it was very much something that the old games master did particularly actually mm. as time went on and they moved more away from being challenge focused and more onto features and skits and and kind of uh, Dominic and friends going off on a weekend bender to LA to visit the Wing Commander set. And I was just wondering is when you were looking at putting together the show, 
with Kian and with Rab, who obviously had the creative role in it as well. How did you go about finding this balance between the old and the new? Were there, were there points where you thought we're going more one way than the other? Or, you know, how did it kind of pan out between the three, four, or however many of you were involved? Well, first of all, I did pitch me going on a bender in LA for a weekend, but for some reason, I didn't get to do that one. Uh, <laughs> COVID. Be COVID. That's the only reason I can think of. Must be. Um, so first of all, um, thank you very much there for saying however many people are involved, because that's what I will keep banging on about with all of this. There was a huge, well, not a big enough team for the amount that was achieved, but there was a lot of people involved in all of this. And all of them, like when I look through a show, there are little bits of everybody in there and I will repeatedly just keep saying how how proud I am of of that whole team everybody got involved in coming up with those VTs big meeting room researchers APs Rab was in on the VT discussions as well everybody was involved in coming up with the VTs in the balance of old and new you know what I think as with everything with Games Master it was about keeping the soul of the old whilst being new. So we didn't really look at previous Games Master VTs to go, oh, how are we going to do that? And at this point, I'm talking about um, VTs going out and about. I'm not talking about VTs in the sense of consultation zone. We very much pushed forward to what was going to be relevant to new gaming. So several of those have been social pieces. So they've been given different cuts for YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. So there's one that's the longest version, which is on YouTube. It's a middle version that goes on Facebook, which is usually more around the five minute mark. And then there's an Instagram one, which is usually around a minute. So a few of those were developed with with that in mind. What is going to be something that is Games Master, but equally a really interesting standalone social segment as well. Because you can't make a brand new video game show without thinking about social media, because that is a huge part of what video games is nowadays. So the ones that were taken for social media were um, Sam Tuff's uh, Beat Saber, Samurai, Bum Bum's BT, personal favourite, uh, <laughs> and um, Ties Asylum, which uh, was the one that Kate you probably only saw for the first time day before yesterday. Those ones were very much developed, um, I think, with more of a social first thought in mind and thinking about how there are going to be those story beats that can sustain for YouTube around eight minutes. Well, between five and eight minutes, usually. It's a long old piece you got there. That ain't just any VT. So you've got to very carefully plot and plan how you're going to do that. And I, I probably saw across those three different types, they're very slightly different types of social media VT as well. Sam Tuff one is a very much character-led story piece. The Tides Asylum one is more of a, it's got more of the sort of young, Philly, chunks um, kind of feel to it. And then the the kids one more probably has the feel of one that you would do well on the socials for something like Jimmy Fallon's show or something, something like that. So I think with all of those standalone ones, it was about giving them all their own taste and flavour that still had Games Master, but was a new social media forward feeling to it and then the beauty of some of the other ones so say educating grado colleagues i'm missing one rab's review rab's review so rab's review i mean that's very much rab's 
it screams rap. We like everything about it is is rap, and I think that it's beautiful that it did bring in the Consylvania part of him. Um, had the true games master reviewing aspect, his games master should be reviewing games, but equally stayed new because we're talking about newer content and what you should be buying nowadays. And I think that was the, kind of an issue in general. If sort of like reviewing has changed a lot since games master, so our approach to that has to has to change. Educating Grado came from basically we held a chemistry day when we were looking for our successful and Grado came along. He was so funny, like absolutely brilliant. Everybody absolutely knew they wanted him to be involved in the show somehow. So that's where he came in in the VTs. It was a way of getting him involved in a piece where he would shine whilst also talking about video games. And then also, yes, we're a show for gamers, but we want people who are not gamers to watch the show and be interested as well i mean i think everyone's a bit of a gamer now if you play candy crush on the tube you're a gamer but for the people who wouldn't necessarily call themselves gamers for them to be able to have something with oh i didn't know about that but that's interesting and it was another way of even getting into stuff that yes as a gamer you know about modding but you've not thought about it that hard so oh i didn't know there was that just text based let me go and check that out now that sounds interesting and we'll ask about the consultation zone stuff because we filmed some stuff we know some people filmed some stuff but when we spoke to Keen, and i don't think this actually ended up in our interview we did with him it eventually just got cut and i i think that's probably because it just felt like it wasn't right like it just didn't feel like it fit the show what was your kind of take on the, the consultation zone and, and not putting it into the final series i think it was the right thing for it not to go in and i think it was the right thing that we tried to do it because i think there possibly was an argument at some stage about whether you know it's right and current times of Google, whether you have a piece like that. My only slight re- regret with it is I'd hoped we'd be able to like do a little flippant joke about it or something like that. Um, mm. Like one, just one where someone asked a question and the games master was just like, uh, it's called Google. And then we left it there um, just to reference that this is why we're not doing it. But equally, as everyone knows, we made this show in a really fast turnaround. And so sometimes things like that, that maybe you wanted to do and in an ideal world, if you had more time, you would have gotten in all those little jokes and gags that you'd come up with. At some point, you've just got to go. People understand we don't have to have yeah. to do this. And yeah, it was just there was more content that probably was more relevant and suited better to a modern audience that made it in. And then the time restraints and things like that, that we had to prioritize which VTs would be the ones to make it in. And it's not just a consultation, so there's so much amazing stuff on the cutting room floor. And that's a really privileged position to be in. Like, you know, you have other shows where they're trying to make time and they can't find enough stuff to be able to to make a high quality show. And we were in such an amazing position where we'd had so many talented, creative people that there were so many amazing ideas. And then so much stuff that we could fall back on from the Legacy of Games Master that were amazing ideas then that we could bring forward that we could not physically fit it all in. And I wish we could have done. and I'm very grateful for everyone who did film a consultation zone. And I'm glad they had some fun down there because I hear that was the place to be. <laughs> we had a great time. By the end of day three, he was going a little bit loopy down there. You know what? I'd come and hide down there sometimes. That was my little... Um, <laughs> James would secretly take me in through the little door and just give me like 10 minutes to sit in the corner and just not have anyone ask me any questions for a moment. And then I'd be able to go, out we go. 
I meant I mentioned to Kian when we interviewed him about the consultation zone. I was like, hey, I know we we taken our podcast name from it. Um, mm. And, you know, it's, it's always felt like it's a very important part of the show, but it's something that we've learned since doing this podcast that the people who made the show didn't like the consultation zone. Like Dominic Diamond hated it. It's like he wished they'd have cut it earlier. And really, like now that we're re- recording it, it's only in the first four series. Like after <laughs> series five, they drop it completely. So we've actually almost got like more episodes of Games Master without it than we have with it, even though it's always seen as like this pivotal part of the show. Isn't it amazing what our rose-tinted glasses do to us, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I could have sworn, if you'd have asked me, you know, five years ago, oh, yeah, it's in every series. Like, I, I, can, I can tell you, like, I can see each version of the Games Master doing it. But no, it's actually Series 5, it's gone, completely dis- it's disappeared. I just, I just wonder whether things had started to change a little bit by then. Like, there were more magazines available that had the, the code. When we've spoken with Dominic, it's just because he wanted to spend more time interviewing the guests. Yeah. He mentions like we had to take that on in series two and like we only interviewed them for 30 seconds because we've got five minutes of consultation so we have to fit in. I think I can understand that decision um, because it was something that I've done a lot of chat shows. Um, I just come off doing tonight target which was a chat show and so it's really important to me that people do who come on a show get an opportunity to tell their stories and yes those interviews seem very short once you cut everything down. But it was really important that we got good quality studio interviews in in studio. We often talk to people for quite a long time in studio, as you probably saw, um, mm. to make sure that we do. That is the most important thing, people. Um, so, yes, whilst the consultation zone is very funny and such Games Master heritage, and I'm glad we nodded to it in other places. I think it is right that our contributors were given enough time to be interviewed and get across who they are um, around their challenges rather than I think on original games master sometimes it was like, Hey, Hey, on you go. Yeah. Now it was like, Oh, I really know who that person is and I'm rooting for them. 100%. So it's August, 2022 games master is coming back for a full run of 10 episodes. Blue sky thinking. Don't throw up. Don't throw up. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You've done this before. You're a pro. You can immediately change or modify one thing about the show without any pushback from anyone. What is it? Oh, wow. A tricky one to answer on the basis that there's so much that I feel we did eventually reach the right place with. It's not to say there's not things that aren't not my personal taste, but I... It's not something that I feel strongly enough to change it because I can understand what other people might feel is the right thing. On a more technical side, one of the big things I would change is time, not in a TARDIS kind of kind of way, but in a production way. I think it's re- we've been commissioned 10 episodes in our hypothetical situation. And it would be really, really important to me that we are able to give those 10 episodes the time and love they deserve. So on this series, time was quite challenging. And so that was a big thing I would change there. You know, the biggest ah, biggest thing I change, I would have access and clearance for every single video game I wanted on that show. (laughs) 
it's something I don't think we raised with Kim when we spoke to him, but it's something that I've seen a lot of people being oblivious to online. They just assume that if you want to play Duck Hunt, you just go down to your local retro game place, buy a copy of Duck Hunt, and you use it, and you don't have to contact Nintendo or Petter at all. That was one of the main things I was across, and it was oh, awful. It was, again, the time in which we were trying to do it, mm. in that it's not just a case of that lovely PR person who I want to go out for a drink with signing a piece of paper and then going, here you go. It's a legal process. It has to have certain things agreed that both sides require. And all the video game companies were just, I think, a bit more shocked that we needed to do it so quickly because that's not, not what they're used to doing. So I would just love to be able to have the time to have all of that paperwork and things cleared up so that we can just go, okay, we're going to go and play this game now. And it's the game that everybody wants us to play in the form we want to play it. That's not a very exciting answer. It's quite a boring logistical answer, but that is a big thing I would change. I just wish that we'd had access to more games. I think through sheer anxiety and perseverance, um, we've pretty much managed to clear every game in some form that we wanted to clear. We did have break challenges, and I think we did pretty much get everything we absolutely wanted us for those challenges but i wish that we've been able to do a little bit more in places uh, to make some other ideas come to life i think things i don't want to change i don't necessarily want to change the location yet i think we're on board with that yeah mm. um, i think it if this was series 8.1 i think there could be a series 8.2 and continue to be at the power station i've got ideas for after that <laughs> i'm thinking series 9 10 11 i've got lots of other things i'd like to do location wise but i'm very happy to stay at the power station uh, for a little while longer so the very last things we'll need to unfortunately wrap this up and i honestly i could yeah. talk to you for like another hour or so and we could just do like a whole other podcast about this sort of thing and maybe we will we'll have a beer it'll be lovely <laughs> <laughs> For now, uh, Emily, I, I'm, I'm going to give you the final word on Games Master Series 8. The final word on Games Master Series 8 is I really hope that everybody who has been a part of it, whether that's working on it or being part of viewing it or like you guys have reviewing it, is happy with what's been achieved and everybody walks away feeling incredibly proud of what has been done. And we would love another series. And I'll see you there. Thanks to Emily, who, like, oh, God, I could have just, we, we could have just talked for hours. We you almost know. did. Well, yeah, we, 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 we could have talked for days, I think. And it just also just goes to reiterate how many people who work on that show are basically one of us. Yeah. They're gamers. They're nerds. They're Frankie's people. They're Frankie's people. We are all Frankie's people. And yeah, what a, what a lovely way to end this really, really unexpected end to 2021. 
And I think that's going to wrap it up for this wrap-up episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You all rule. We'll be going back to our sort of regularly scheduled schedule, I guess, in the in the coming weeks. We've got a Christmas special coming out, uh, I think, next week. And in the free feed, um, you're going to have a Christmas gift from us, which will be last year's UCP Extra Christmas special, which was uh, Gladiators, uh, which was a lot. I mean, that was a great episode to do. John Fashion, whose knob falls out. It's a, it's a grand old time. It's all also a rarity i think for the free feed in that that episode is it's 100 me on the edit and i spent so goddamn long on that edit i was like remixing music to make it blend in and out of the clips from the episode and like yeah i i had a lot of fun with it and it, it's an episode i'm incredibly proud of battle yeah. of the gladiators it'll be a really fun episode to release into the free feed and then we've got a couple of other bonus episodes kicking off into uh the new year uh hopefully an interview based episode with some old challenges that's kind of the fingers crossed that's the plan We've got the long-talked about bonus episodes that we do uh, about the launch of the Sony PlayStation and the launch of the Sega Saturn. And then Games Master, the Gore special, our live episode, will be released sort of like the end of January, which means by the time we get to February, Series 5. We'll get back on track. And regarding the schedule, we'll be going back to Tuesdays at 6.30am, uh, where we used to do a pre-Series uh, 8. We'll get You'll get back to the way that it used to be um, for the majority of this podcast being live. Unless, of course, we do get more new Games Master, in which case, it, it's back to the races, Luke. They'll it's going to be a crazy one. Throw everything out the window again. I mean, we got lucky with this, that this came just as Series 4 ended for us. Like, it was almost, it was almost like poetic in how nicely it was all timed together we we did we did artificially pad a bit because obviously we had an idea this was coming before it was publicly announced but we also were just like well, let's just make sure we stretch this one out a bit we make it work and it line uh, honestly i always have regrets you know when we're done with the series there's always things i wish we'd done or i wish i'd done or i wish i'd said or occasionally i wish i hadn't said but overall the way we handled brand new games master coming out of nowhere i'm i'm really i'm really proud of what we achieved luke I, and uh, my thanks again to everyone who's spoken to us everyone that's helped us everyone that made us feel so welcome at the tapings everyone that's just been so generous with their time and their energy and everyone that worked on that show yeah whatever happens from here you should all be immensely immensely proud of what you achieved in exceptional circumstances at an exceptional time in a deadline that I would not want to face. And it was the friends we made along the way, including all of you that are listening to this. If you want to support us monetarily, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod, where you get extra bonus content uh, like UCP Extra, which is a, basically this format, but we do it about other TV shows, our under console nation community podcast. And we also have a Discord. Ash, I want you to tell us about Discord. Oh, Discord is a world of chaos. There's a bunch of chat at the moment, still about new Games Master, also about all the various game trailers that released last night. I am super, super psyched for Alan Wake 2. It's over a year off, but I bloody loved that original game. There's also chat about the trailer for Sonic 2. I'm sure you've seen it at this point, Luke. Well, Isn't I, it I, glorious? I watched it at half past two this morning, AM, that is. Isn't it amazing? It's so fucking good. They've just realised, yeah, we've got Sonic the Hedgehog. Let's just lean into it. They are doing exactly what I think Detective Pikachu did, right? Yeah. They, they've, they've looked at that and they've gone, yeah, just stick as close as we can to the law while having it make sense. The Abyss is home for posting. Uh, there's actually been discussion of literal shit at this point in time regarding whether or not you can poop with guests visiting. It's a, it's a tough question for the ages, I'll be, I'll be honest. And 
yeah, just we've got new people joining all the time. Jonesy joined us recently. People are being made welcome. It's a lovely, lovely place. Please do come down and join us. So thank you all so much for listening. We will see you for next week's episode, the Christmas special 2021. Uh, We'll see you then. Take care, everyone. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.